Wanna drop some acid with me? What? You're dropping acid? Hmm. Wouldn't stop, baby. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, no. Thank you. Uh, I believe that would have the complete opposite effect of relaxation for me. Well, I'm gonna trip balls. How you feeling? Annoyed. It's not nothing kicking in yet. What are you talking about the beer? No, the acid. I did not take any acid, remember? Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> what are you talking about? I put a shitload of it in your beer. What? Is that what all that little piece of paper went for? I drank all that yeah. shit, dude. That's okay. There was like a ton of acid in there. Yeah. Why would you do that? I don't want to be the only one tripping. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. To go. Oh my god, dude. Shut up. I don't care. Go. Go in there, camp. I don't care, dude. Get out of here. Oh, you sick son of a bitch, dude. Why would you? Oh shit. Oh shit. LSD works in mysterious ways. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Come on. people that come on they've never been on a podcast before and they're all shot out addicts so it's like a lot of them they don't know what the fuck is going on a lot of them say shit that they shouldn't say and then i have to go in post-production and i literally have to like censor a million last names out or a million or or they'll tell the most incriminating stories that they can still probably get like retroactively charged for and then i have to like censor that out for their safety so it's just like it's more nerve-wracking about the unknown because i'm not really sure which way it's gonna lead or what i'm gonna go into since i'll basically what, just topic gonna, wise yeah since i'll basically just be uh freestyling though so that's how i do most of them i'll have like a a set thing of like oh we'll talk about this this and this but usually it goes off the rails pretty quickly so it's just the the uh just getting it started hey mainly. you know no pressure this is only <laughs> going on the internet for you know anybody to listen to so <laughs> it's just no pressure but yeah uh let's see yeah we're we're technically recording so uh fuck you guys okay so what the fuck was that noise um <laughs> <laughs> what's up everybody uh you know this is your beloved fucking host bowball baggins you know one ball to rule them all i was going by unk for a while but 
and I still do, but um, I brought I brought back the bow ball name. So you know, if you don't like it, you just gotta have to deal with it because that's who I am. I switch things up on you. Um, so what the fuck? I'm in. I'm literally recording live in rehab right now, uh, and not on the shitty forty dollar mic that I had before. Uh, the one Dylan gave me. Uh, and you know what's fucking crazy is I thought that was a shitty quality recording, but it got a shit ton of views, apparently. So I don't know. Maybe I should go back to the shitty $40 mic. But I have here in front of me the new portable mic. I spent quite a pretty penny on it. Isn't it lovely looking? This thing's nice. It's the Tazcam DR40X. This bad boy cost me a pretty penny. The mic itself was $169.99, but I got the bundle package on Amazon, which comes with these really shitty headphones, but they do get the job done, a tripod, a 32 gigabyte SD card, batteries, and a battery charger because the elitist in me has to have the best of everything. And uh, I did it for all of you out there listening too. If so, you know, I hope you appreciate the blood, sweat, and tears I put into this stupid podcast. You know, I just spent a good two hundred and nine ninety nine. That's you know, just round it up two hundred and ten dollars for all of you and your your gentle, fragile ear canals. So hey, I hope you you know. Let's just get a round of applause. Round of applause. I'll, I'll put in some fake applause in post. Let's, let's applaud me for spending that money. You know, I could have spent that on, on bangs and vape juice. But you know what? And we'll get into that later. I'm joined with, what was your alias? Danny Can't Stop? Danny Can't Stop. I like that name. Thanks. It's, I got got a, it's got a beautiful ring to it. Is there, is there a backstory on how you got... Uh, so... I got th- I got this nickname about five or six years ago when I was working for a production company. It was back in uh, a production my, company. Yeah, it was called uh, Monster Stage. So what we the fuck? so is- we used to do a lot of uh, parties, events, nightclubs, anywhere from your local high school dance all the way up to a nightclub in Las Vegas, all the way to oh, the Playboy shit. Mansion. Uh, you name you... it, and we've probably done it. it. It was a small company, but uh, I don't know. I liked it. and uh, you, while... you did gigs for Playboy Mansion? Yes. And what was that like? Did you see a lot of boobies? <laughs> it was uh, interesting. It was like... Yeah, but the, I want to hear the details. The like... wow factor. Well, what, what do you mean by wow factor? Like seeing a lot of Okay so The way I could put it is When I was working the most memorable times Were during Candy Ween Because we worked What's that That's their Halloween party But they have two oh Halloween God. parties every year That I know of there could be more I don't know But those were the most memorable And uh, my experience was While I was setting up these parties And my friends have already been working here for a couple years. We would see the load. uh, We would see like these shuttle buses arrive. And then that's when all these girls start getting off like uh, the 
what would they be like the cabana girls i don't even know or they, the girls were they playmates some of them not those ones no um, these ones I think were just hired I'm not really sure Because I didn't go into the details shit. All I remember is just them All walking in a line Going downstairs Down the spiral uh, uh, Staircase To go and get uh, Painted up for the night Painted up? Yeah The, the body painted? Yep Just body paint <laughs> So they'd be wearing Nothing but body paint Yeah And it was wow It was Not even panties or No so you're seeing Full on boobies You're seeing butt You're seeing Vagina everything. Yeah, you're seeing oh everything. <laughs> Is it true what they say that... I have ADD. I couldn't even <laughs> keep my eyes in one place too It was like sensory long. overload for you. Did yeah. you meet Hugh Hefner? No, but uh, oh. I, I had to be with him. Or during one of the work times, he was walking my way, and I noticed there was a hose in the way. And Hugh's pretty old at the time this is like he's like dead now yeah he's dead now but this was like five years ago and i just remember like he could barely walk on his own so oh my god but the girls would still be going crazy over him after uh one of the other parties called Candyland. this is back in 2011 all i recall from that party was seeing paris hilton walk in with her old entourage and security oh my god and i just remember uh about 20 girls in front of Hef's booth just going nuts, just going Hef, 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 like oh my God. fighting, just trying to become like one of his next girlfriends or whatever. Well, he had like hurts. multiple wives, didn't he? He had always had multiple girls around him. I'm not really too sure about the whole wife thing, but I was just Holy astonished shit. by how many women just appealed to him and uh later on i found out that like his ex-wife lived next door and i remember she had like two sons and they'd always be like next door playing like sometimes while we're setting up the party with like the water guns yeah could you imagine being that kid just around hot chicks all the time oh dude (laughs) (laughs) that is so weird did you go in the grotto yeah i got an interesting story about that oh i gotta hear it so uh after which party one of the parties it was in the summertime it was probably Candyland uh, uh, we usually do loadout of the event on Sunday morning not too early but uh, nobody likes to do it Saturday night it's just mm-hmm. pointless too much chaos so uh, every Sunday we uh, we would come back and uh, load up the party and I was basically kind of like a foreman like I had the most experience yeah so like I kind of directed on what we need to get done we we had to do four uh fill up four trucks and we only had two trucks so we got to run back from here to Orange County and back oh jeez so uh I noticed sometimes some of the girls that stay the night with inside the mansion I don't really know how that works mm-hmm but uh, or perspe- or prospect to become uh, playmate models. Yeah, you know, usually stay there. And uh, I remember this one girl, uh, Nikki, was uh, walking around, and uh, I just went up to her. I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" And she's like, "Hey, uh, do you know like where this is at or that at?" Like she was kind of shy and like timid at first. And I'm like, and then she asked me about the grotto, and I'm like, oh, dude, you've never been in there? Come on, let's go. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I ended up taking her in there, and uh, I'm like, do you want your picture? And uh, she's, like, fully clothed. She has, like, I don't know, maybe little, like, shorts on. Not booty shorts, but, like, those little blue denim shorts. Yeah. And then, like, a, a tank top, nothing too much showing. But okay. A little bit. 
And uh, I'm like, do you want to get in? Like, because she told me she's wearing a bathing suit underneath. I'm like, dude, get in. I'll take pictures of you. So kind of like got her to strip down into her chonies. And then I'm just (laughs) taking pictures of her, you know? Yeah. Uh, This whole time, I didn't realize, like, she's already been drinking. Oh, no. So uh, next thing she asked me is like, hey, uh, can we smoke weed here? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, but you want to go check out the monkeys and smoke weed over there? like Next to the monkeys? Yeah, so we ended up leaving the grotto or whatever. I, don't get me wrong, too. I'm kind of, like, still nervous, too, because I still got my job. Yeah, of course. But, like, after I came out of there, like, my coworkers are like, just do your thing, do your thing. Like, of course. Yeah, I got, I got cool buddies like that. No haters. Yeah. Don't ever be a hater, you know? <laughs> be a cock blocker. Yeah. So I ended up, like, taking over to show her the monkeys. Give, give her basically more of a tour because a lot of people that go there, they're, like, shy to walk around the property and go explore. And, like, that's one well, of the yeah. things I love to do. Even though while I'm working, I'm still, like, Looking nervous about shoulder. security coming yeah. up to me. And, like, hey, what are you doing over here? But you know what? Just – I just want to go Yeah, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Yes, it is. <laughs> so you take her to the monkeys and she Take her to the monkeys, yeah. Start smoking a little bit of weed. And Do you uh, partake with her? No, weed gets me paranoid. If, oh, okay. it, if it was like Roxy's or yeah. a downer, you Break know, I'd ice. be hell yeah, uh, breaking on out. You know? Yeah. So uh, she ends up smoking weed, and uh, dude, this girl's kind of like, I don't know if she's getting more drunk or whatever. She's crossfaded. Some people can't combine booze and weed. They'll get a bad crossfade. Yeah, so she's a crossfade. I didn't even realize that till now. Mm-hmm. She probably got the spins. <laughs> yeah, but I just remember, like, this girl's, like, not being comprehensive or not communicative as much. Communicative or whatever. Yeah, yeah so, like, I'm just, like, this is towards the end of, like, us about to bounce and uh, I end up, we end up exchanging numbers or whatever. I give her my number. And, uh, like, I walk her back to, like, the front of the house. I'm like, here, like, you should just sit down and relax. And then, like, go back inside whenever, you know, you feel better. And then, like, by the time I'm leaving, I see her on the bench in the front driveway. I just noticed she's, like, she's on the kind of, like, nodding out. Kind <laughs> of, but, like, like the drunk nod where, like, you're not sure, like, which way. Her, her balance is all off. Gravity's just not her friend. Yeah. And me, thinking the horn dog I am, I'm talking to my buddy that, uh, from working there, that's how we became buddies. Yeah. Is, uh, I'm like, hey, man, like, like, uh, that's, like, hook me up with that girl later <laughs> on. <laughs> Like, I already got her number, but I don't know why. Like, I'm leaving, you know? Like, I yeah. still want to go hang out with her. And uh, so I end up leaving, and uh, I'm living at Long Beach this time, and I remember I'm on Bellflower, and that runs right off the 405. It's one of the exits. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I forget if she called me or I called her, but uh, I think she called me and was like, she, she like, told me, like, what happened the rest of the night? This is like a couple days later. This happened so long ago, and I haven't uh, talked about the story, so just bear with me for a second while I try to remember the details. I just, I just remember being on the phone with her, and she told me she ended up going back in the house with Hef. And uh, she, like, blacked out, but, like, a knotted, like, blackout, and she, like, hit her head on the side of a table. 
in front of like you know a bunch of people <laughs> an intimate group around half oh no and uh after that's all said and done i guess they asked her to uh to leave yeah, they're like, you're too swerved, you gotta go. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, damn, that's getting juicy. I'm like, well, what else happened? Well, this girl thought, since her car's on the property, she could just go to her car and drive. But she doesn't have her keys because the valet takes your keys when you're yeah. there, you know? Oh Which is a good thing. Yeah. So, like, they're trying, like, no, no, you cannot drive. And, uh, like, but you, you can't ha- stay here. Yeah, you got to get off the property. But, uh, you know, call somebody or get someone to come get your car, you know? Like, oh they were, uh, I guess, really irritated with her. Yeah. And She's sloppy. Yeah. And uh, she just asked me, you know, like, I'll, well, on the phone, I'm like, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal, you know, dude. I don't want to say, like, oh, my God, you just. You messed up big time. Yeah. I'm like, I'm trying to make it sound small. Like, no, it's it's okay, you know. Like, I've blacked out. Just not at this place yet. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what happened next is uh, uh, she. Oh, she had the nerve to ask me. Do you think I'll be able to go back there? <laughs> and I'm like, probably not. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'll try to talk to him for you, but. Like, in the back of my head, I'm like, no, like, (laughs) like, don't you realize, like, what happened? Like, maybe let it cool off, but uh, if they tell you to leave the property, that's kind of like a big deal. (laughs) And then you're trying to leave your car, you're trying to leave in your car while you've been drinking. Yeah, that's not a good look at the Playboy Mansion at all. No, so. uh, Did you ever hang out with her after that? No. Oh, that (laughs) sucks. Yeah, that's funny. That reminds me of the time I was living in Hollywood and I went I, I went to some gas station off of like, what was it? Hi, uh, was not Highland. Maybe it was. Like Highland and Sunset. And I go, I get out, start filling up my tank. And who do I see is illustrious porn star, uh, was it Ron Jeremy? <laughs> he's just filling up his gas tank, and I'm like thinking, dude, I thought he drove a nice car, dude. He was sitting there with Daisy Duke cargo shorts and a pair of Crocs, like Croc sandals. And I was like, dude, this town is so bizarre, because I ran into C and D-list celebrities all the time. No offense, Ron, like, nothing against you, you're just not the most, like... High-profile celebrity <laughs> out there. Not anymore. Especially when you're wearing a pair of Crocs at the mobile gas station on fucking Sunset. And I'm like, I just looked him up and down, and I'm like, really, Ron? Crocs? You're better than that, man. And then he just, like, he, he was so offended. He was like, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, I'm Ron Jeremy. I fucked a million girls. You're going to give me shit for wearing Crocs? I'm like, dude, come on, man. Crocs? And then I just walked off. But, yeah, I, I would see, like, Danny Bonaducci, like, on Hollywood, just, like, fucking guzzling Long Islands. And then just, like, oh, this town is so weird. And then see you'd see paparazzi just, like, just come out of the woodworks out of nowhere. They'd come out of bushes and just start, like, photobombing, like, celebrities. They wouldn't even know there was a celebrity there until, like, three dozen, like, paparazzi are out, like, fucking hitting flash. I was actually on the... I think it was on the Jimmy Kimmel show once because uh, I I went to Musicians Institute and that's right off of Hollywood Boulevard. Oh, MI. Yeah, I went to MI. And uh, I lived right off of, uh, it was Yucca, 
was Yucca Road or whatever, which is right by uh, Coenga. And I would walk on Hollywood Boulevard every day to go to school. And on the way back from class, like there's always these fucking Jimmy Kimmel like staff and they, you know, they're on the like asking questions and stuff like this and that. And like they asked me something. It was like something about politics, like about because I think the election was coming up and they're like, yeah, sign this waiver. We'll have you on the Jimmy Kimmel show. But it's like in hindsight, it's like this is the dumbest thing ever because it's like, dude, they just make fun of the biggest idiots and ask them <laughs> questions. And then when they answer the most stupid answer out of, out of anyone, they just like air it on TV and everyone laughs at them. But I was getting into it. With, I was just going off on conspiracy theories and like, you know, like reptilians and stuff. And I'm, I, so I'm on some old episode of Jimmy Kimmel just looking like an idiot <laughs> with my little guitar backpack strap on. I was just like, Oh God, what did I, what, what did I just do? But, uh, yeah, dude, I didn't know you lived in Long Beach. Yeah, I lived there for nine months. But uh, if we go back a little bit when you're talking about Ron Jeremy, I remember him, seeing him at the Playboy Mansion. You too. saw Ron Jeremy too? Yeah, I couldn't stop bugging bugging him. Like, Ron, Ron, what's up? He is so short. Yeah, he's... Uh, he is so short. And he looks nothing like he did in his prime. No, now, like, when I saw him, he was, like, big. Bloated, yeah. Yeah, bloated, like, unshaven. I just remember him being a porn star. And it's just, like, I kept on going up to him, like, what's up, Ron? Ron Jeremy. And, like, his look was, like, oh, get this guy away from me. <laughs> That's what a lot of celebrities are like. They're bombarded with people all the time. <laughs> I never talk to celebrities. I never ask them for their picture. Because I, pro- I was in, like... I- I would be like, dude, these people probably get asked a million times a day. Like, can I have a picture with you? Like, um, I would, uh, I don't know if you know Joey Diaz, like comedian. He's friends with Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw him, like, every time I saw him, he was either at Kushmart buying weed or just leaving Kushmart. And I went to Kushmart religiously. Like, the Matt's number one OG was like $75 a fucking eighth. And it was like ridiculously overpriced, but I was like... I was just getting into smoking mad weed at the time. And I, I remember once I, I was walking to Kushmart off of Coanga and I have my Kushmart shirt and stuff. And I see, cause like you could, it's like the only place you don't have to pay for parking. You just go walk up to Kushmart. So I was like, yeah, I parked there and I'm like walking down Coanga with my Kushmart shirt. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy some Kush. And I look up and I just see Joey Diaz. He's tall and just huge. And he's looking at me just with like fear in his eyes. Like, Oh my God, this, this little cocksucker is going to get, fucking kush too and then i was just like oh shit it's joey diaz and then i just i didn't i didn't even say anything to him because he's i was like dude he's probably like gets harassed by people all the time so i was like all right i'll just let him be i saw snoop dogg at kushmart uh hollywood is so fucking weird it's like what what's kushmart like a, a, a walmart me- for weed it's or? a medical marijuana dispensary but it was huge it was right at first it was right off of hollywood boulevard and it was just like it it it, it like just the name kushmart it attracted so many people and uh the guy who worked there or the guy who started the store, he owned it. He sold it to someone else after a while and then it kind of went to shit. But like so many celebrities went there. They had a hundred dollars. They had a $90 OG. It was like 90 bucks an eighth. Like I was going to Pasadena city college and, um, and I was getting FAFSA and student loan money and I was just like blowing it all on weed and grow <laughs> equipment. I was growing a lot of weed. It was ridiculous. Like it, it it was weird because, like, I just got – I started growing weed as a fad. Like, I had the shittiest setup, and then 
I like, finally like in a room or yeah, in my it, closet. I had a little closet op, and it was just like a little light bulb hanging on a string with some miracle <laughs> grow, and it was just like you know their plants kept dying. And I was like, I'm just doing this for fun. But then I bought this T5 fluorescent light, and then I um, finally hard like I actually had a successful harvest, and I I took it to uh, this other dispensary. It's called La Brea Collective, and I took it there, and they were like. They, they knew me like I, I was like a regular so they were like yeah yeah and then they gave me like it was like twelve fourteen hundred dollars for it was like a little under a half pound and I was like this is a shit ton of money so then I just started throwing all my student loan money into grow equipment and then my grow equipment's got my grow ops got bigger and bigger and then by that time I was like I wasn't even living in my bedroom I was like I put my my fucking my bed in the living room and my whole bedroom was just a giant grow up and I'm like holy shit and then you know like after I got a job at the dispensary I started overseeing this um this fucking uh we we uh it was like an old lumber mill in Torrance and we gutted it and we just put like these giant flower rooms and there was like well over a thousand plants in there and I was just overseeing the grow up there and it, it was like pounds upon pounds of weed and trimming it was just so tedious it was just like it would be there for days trimming weed. It was fucking crazy. And we even, uh, I had my electrician friends going because it was phase three power. It was like industrial electricity. Yeah, yeah. But we would go and we'd, we'd, we'd overlap it. We'd go around the meter. So we were stealing power, which is like, dude, like the, I, I think the way they said it is like there's two industrial electric companies that'll, that'll give you power. And one of them, it's like if they catch you stealing power, uh, it's just like a $10,000 fee, which to us, it was nothing. We shit $10,000. But then the other electric company, if they catch a city power, that's like, they'll, they'll involve the feds and that's like a federal charge. So it was like a big deal. But, um, yeah, my cousins did that in a uh, placentia. They stole power. Yeah. They got caught. Yeah. Well, they were already like under investigation or got indicted for, uh, they were like the landlord from hell. They did a Fox 11 on them. No way the landlord found yeah. that growing. Well, no, this that was a separate case, but to uh, start off where this all started from is uh, I guess they like rent out to people and they were doing like shady practices, I guess. I just recall uh, sometimes my brother and I would go help them clean out like the old pads that people were living in that they would either evict yeah. or, you know, from the shady practices. And I just recall uh, one time we were in... Huntington Beach and uh, you know it, it's quick cash so we don't ask questions they're like hey can you clean up this house it'll take you like two hours and we'll pay you guys both like you know $80 or $100 or something like that and I'm like okay so I'm down there and like there's still a lot of stuff left in this house and they're like well where do you want us to put it and like we'd call we'd call my cousin over the phone and we would leave it in the garage and I just recall I was in like the master bedroom there and I remember this big old buff dude literally probably like three times the size of me comes in behind me he's like hey what are you doing with my stuff and I just kind of just shit. froze and I'm like uh uh I call my brother I'm like Mikey hey uh someone wants to talk to you <laughs> so <laughs> that's when he came in and uh they could reach an understanding like what how come we were there yeah and then we found out the real issue why this guy was here you know so uh and then we found out later on that blah 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 this is what happened and uh the guy actually got like the cops involved they showed up and then i remember one of my cousin's partners came 
before the cops came, and then once the cops came, the flow just took off running, just like left us to defend for ourselves. Oh my god! Yeah, and uh, that was the last time I ever worked with my cousin <laughs> in that type of uh, work. Yeah. But uh, after doing that so many times, you know, you get and you get investigated, and uh, I believe she was. She's in federal custody. That uh, when they went to go search her house, <laughs> they found out she had an illegal grow operation. Most often. And uh, they were going around the meter to hook up power or to get power because I know they couldn't afford the electricity. Oh, electricity bill is yeah. the most expensive aspect of a grow op. Yeah. But yeah, and that's how they found out about uh, the grow op. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. You know, just old. Old behaviors, you know, you just get greedy in one thing and boom. Well, yeah, it's fast money and it's like, dude, the electric bill is like, the, the best quality weed is usually indoor, but you need to power all those high intensity discharge lights somehow. And most people don't have solar power. So that's what they do. Yeah. I remember one time. So usually what I would do is I, I manage the dispensaries, but the, we had a storefront in Venice that I would rarely go. I sometimes I'd manage, but I usually manage the delivery services. There was one delivery service in Pasadena slash Altadena, and then there was another delivery service in Redondo Beach. And uh, I just managed the phone, so I'd have like three cell phones on me. I'd be answering them, taking orders, and texting them to drivers, and then they'd go deliver it. Well, uh, and then at the end of the day, you know, I'd pay out my drivers and I'd go drive down to Torrance and do the grow up stuff. So it's like, you know, 10, 30, 11 at night. And I'm like, you know, I got my headphones in and I'm watering these plants because we didn't have any irrigation systems. So I'm like, I, we got these big tanks and I just have this hose and I'd be like watering nutrients on these plants, like by hand. It was just insane. So all manually. It was all manually. It was, it was, it was fucked. Like. You know, it was in cocoa fiber and stuff, but I, I had to, yeah, thousands of plants watering. I'm just like, oh, my God. And we had giant CO2 generators, so it's like I'm getting high off the CO2, and there's not enough oxygen in there. I usually have to turn them off. If I forgot, I'd, like, I almost want to pass out. But So I'm in this giant building, and uh, it, it's huge. Like, it's, it, used to, like an, it used to be an old lumber mill, so there's, like, all these little offices, but then there's, like, a big, like, you know, like there used to be like an assembly line, but they took out all the like the equipment and we had just these little grow rooms and I eat one of those Chibachu edibles like and yeah. edibles fuck you up. Like for anyone that hasn't had edible, like there's like a special cannabinoid receptor in your liver that processes a certain cannabinoid that isn't ingested through smoking. It's only ingested through uh, for eating like and it's like 80% more psychoactive than anything else. So that's why people trip balls when they eat edibles. So I, I eat this cheap at you. I've been smoking all day and it's starting to kick in. I'm getting pretty baked, you know. And uh, then, um, you know, uh, out of like the industrial like windows, because they're all fogged. You can't see through them that well, but they're cracked. It's like so you can get cool air in. And I look and I see like I see something out of the corner of my eye and I hear like people talking and I take out my earbuds and I'm like, what the fuck is going on outside the building? Because this is like an industrial part of Torrance. And I look and uh, and I peek through the fucking little crack in the window. I see red and blue lights. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, oh, fuck, we're getting raided right now. My grow up's getting raided. And I think, oh, my God, dude, there's because, dude, red and blue lights like in a like, you know, in a little circular motion like that, you know, the, those are fucking police lights. Yeah. Like, there's a cop right outside the grow up. I'm fucked. So I immediately duck down and I, and I hear, I see, I hear a cop like 
through the window like he's talking on his radio, like on his little shoulder radio. And I'm like, oh, fuck, they're going to come in and raid us right now. So I hide in a little I, – I crouch down. I get in this little cabinet. I'm like hiding. I'm fucking paranoid. I'm like thinking, dude, I'm going to go to jail. Like how am I going to hide over a 1,000 plants and all this equipment? It's not happening. I'm just got to hide and hopefully they don't catch me when they burst through the doors. And so, and then even like, I have my three cell phones. I got like two burners and like a fucking galaxy on me. And then one of my phones starts ringing and like, I'm like, Oh fuck. They're probably going to hear my cell phone right now. They know I'm in here. And like, I'm high on the edible. So the paranoia is just like kicking in, kicking in dude, like hard. And I'm like, Oh fuck dude, I'm oh, going to God. jail. I'm going to go to jail. I'm too young to die. Oh no. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm crouched in the fetal position in this little cabinet this little crawl space and I'm waiting and I'm waiting it's like been 20 minutes and I'm like dude why aren't they bursting in and then I wait another 20 minutes I'm like dude I'm not getting out of here like, and, it, and by then it's like 12.31 in the morning and I'm like dude why like, why the fuck aren't they bursting through the doors so the lights have been on outside for how long at like this point like 45 minutes an hour or something oh, and I'm like what the fuck is going on out there why aren't they fucking raiding us right now so finally I'm like I just, I'm like, fuck this. I, I, I got to get out of this crawl space. It's dusty. It's just <laughs> disgusting. I'm all got dirt all over me. And then so I finally peeked through the window. It was just a cop pulling over a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker. Like, dude, I've been down here for an hour thinking I'm going to jail. And it was just a cop pulling over a guy on a motorcycle. I guess he was drunk or something, but... And that's what happened. And then, yeah. I I have something similar that happened to me like that. Really? <laughs> yeah. But it was, uh, I was walking on the railroad tracks and I was all on a, a speed. Just speed? And I was, yeah, I was just tweaking hard. I think I've been up for a couple days. And, uh, you know, the railroad tracks and then there's uh, streets in this neighborhood in Old Town Goleta. Okay. And uh, uh, at the end of the street, I noticed there were some people but they had like a flashlight and they're pointing at the ground. So like the whole time I thought it was cops and like my, <laughs> my buddy's camp was like just 50 to a hundred feet past them to the left, like out of sight from, uh, from the industry where the people are standing. Yeah. So like I started getting closer and then I noticed like they would like turn around and look at me and like shine the flashlight. So like I just ended up sitting on the tracks, just like shit, man, I don't know. Like, should I make it? Should I go for it? And, like, every time, like, I get closer, I notice their attention would be on me. So I'm probably sitting there for an hour just, you know, these thoughts of paranoia going through my head. Like, dude, if I go any closer, I'm going to get arrested. Yeah. And uh, so I eventually end up start walking back towards uh, my other friend's camp. And uh, I, I noticed uh, I saw my friend Henry, and then he's with some uh, some drunk girl. And uh, I'm like, Henry, Henry, there's cops, dude. We can't go that way. He's He's older than me. By, like, 20 years, so, like, they don't really mess with him as much as they would a younger guy. Yeah. So he's just like, you know what? He's all, no, dude, let's just go. We got to get back to camp. Yeah. Uh, later on, it was to get this drunk girl or whatever, just somewhere to a safe spot so she doesn't hurt herself because yeah. she could barely walk hanging on to him. Yeah, and so we walked by the people and we noticed it was just a few homies. <laughs> I was well, just... Why did they have a flashlight? Because they were messing with me because <laughs> they just saw me pacing back and forth and sitting down and not sure what I was doing. <laughs> so I was just more paranoid on these people even though I didn't know who they were. But Oh my God, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, that's what happens when you stay up for a couple days, I guess. Dude, I couldn't make it past three days. Like, I'd pull three all-nighters and then that's when they, I, she got weird for me 
Yeah. I, it was like, I, 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 and then after a while, like, it doesn't matter how much speed I was doing, my body would just be like, nope, you're going lights out, you know, like, and, and especially I always made the mistake like, oh man, I should smoke some weed right now. And then it, it like, I'd, I'd take a dab or a puff on some weed and like, then I, I would try and fight the urge to pass out but like the weed just was like no you're going out and I'd be like no I gotta clean my room I gotta like alphabetize my fucking music collection and then I'd just be like no it was like I got hit with a trank dart and I'd be like no and then I'd start to lay on my bed and then I'd be like no and then I'd just pass out and then I'd wake up dope sick and stuff and I was just like oh fuck dude now I can't get a hold of my dealer and I, I lost my keys and lost my money it's like I probably hid it in my room somewhere and forgot where I like stashed it it was just a nightmare dude yeah I would just like to hide out my room and just look at my phone for the next 12 hours on board <laughs> yeah I did that a few times until my eyes hurt but like oh man until my dick hurt yeah yeah that too but uh, uh back to the story of the tracks is uh so we end up making my buddy's camp or whatever and then we end up uh doing a couple couple shots of speed yeah and uh by this time like i'm ready to head out i totally forgot about like that drunk girl i thought that was my buddy's like girlfriend or something yeah like i wasn't really too sure and uh, i go to and uh, i recall like right before i'm leaving like this girl's asking for my friend henry so i go over to henry i'm like hey henry like uh Hey, this girl wants to talk to you. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't send her over here. Oh, no, 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 no. I guess she was a real pain in the butt. Oh, no. You know? Especially on speed. Well, yeah. Well, she wasn't. She was just drunk, I think. Oh, yeah. Well. I just remember her falling all over, leaning on him. And she was just like a pain in the butt. And, like, you know, uh, uh, when you drink, like, you become arrogant and kind of, like, you can come a bitch or kind of oh, like you an can. asshole. People can, yeah. Yeah, but like she finally sobered up and she doesn't remember any of that. So my this other girl and I end up walking her back on the, the tracks heading towards like my buddy's camp. And she told me she needs to get the Lost Carneros. So it's this road like three miles away because that's where our camp Jesus. is. Yeah, that's far. So like I just remember ended up walking her like there. I'm kind of like making fun of her for being drunk and being a pain <laughs> in the butt. And uh, I remember, like, she picked up a stick, and she was about to, like, swing and hit me on it because I'm on my bike. And, like, as soon as I look back and she has a stick race, I'm like, oh, no, cops. And so she looks behind her, and I take off on my bike. I'm like, ah, you can't get me. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you ditched her. No, I just got away from that stick just far <laughs> enough for her to cool down. So then I can start making fun of her again. <laughs> so, wait, you grew up here in Santa Barbara? I grew up in Ventura. Oh, Okay. Yeah, nice. I've been in the Santa Barbara Glide area for like the last three years since basically July 2016. And uh, I used to come up here and party a lot at the one of the colleges up here in Isla Vista. Vista. Yeah. yeah, so from like 2005. Isla Vista, the STD capital of California. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I've always heard. drunk college girls everywhere and they all just... Yeah. yeah. We used to drive down from San Luis Obispo to Ala Vista, and it was just wild, dude. To Del Playa Street. <laughs> yeah, they, dude, like, we we go, we were just up and down state tonight and last night, and it was just drunk college chicks everywhere. Oh, dude, it's chaos. It's I used, chaos. I used to go out there and do my laundry <laughs> just because of all the girls out there, you know? <laughs> oh, my God, dude. So, wait, you, you have a story that, what led you to come here to the... 
well, I can't say the name of the rehab we're at, but because, you know, staff here has advised me not to blow up their spot. What got... Okay, so the question is, what was the reason that made me come here? Yeah, like, isn't there, is there a story behind that? To, to keep it simple, I just wanted a better life, and I didn't know how to uh, do it on, on my own. I remember having a girlfriend at the time and telling her, like, I want to get... S- I want to get sober and clean, but I just don't know how to do it, you know, because on your own. Yeah. Yeah. On my own. Like for me, it was, it it was impossible, you know, like I can get a job and you were on heroin too, right? Yeah. That was my uh, drug of choice. I liked smoking it. And then, uh, once it got towards the end, I started banging a little bit, but when you come homeless out here, it was a lot easier for me to do uh, speed because it was so much more available and around. And yeah. I had a lot of buddies that would always have a sack and they wouldn't mind yeah. smoking me out or whatever, just because they always know I'd be there to help them out. Or if we got to get something done, I'm there, you know? Well, yeah. And speed's a great motivator for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Oh, we need to do, we need to pull a job. Let's do some speed. And then you're like, yeah, well, yeah, let's do it. You know, like you want to do something when you're fucking tweaked out. Yeah. One of our favorite things to do to try to uh, make money is, uh, I have this buddy Dwayne, uh, how can I say this? He, uh, he's gay, but he's cool. Like, I, I, like he'd always like try to hit on me, you know? So like, that was one way on how, like I would get like free speed even though I'd always help him out like uh, for example he was an appraiser for 25 years so he is the best at going inside a dumpster behind a thrift store or to a garage sale and this guy can spend five to seven hours in that dumpster going through it all the way down to the bottom trying to find items and uh, he could flip it yeah he could flip it and since I had a car at the time we decided that or he actually decided the price split it 50 50 yeah if i could get him to the swap meet and he could sell us things oh nice so uh we would go there and uh the first time i brought some of my own personal items you know i'm like screw it i want more money too you know so i start selling like power tools and stuff and like within an hour we made like 200 bucks so like jeez uh, uh, it was, that was a hundred bucks each. And then plus on top of my other stuff, I was selling just personally of mine. Yeah. I ended up walking away with 200 bucks in like two hours. So like in my head, I'm like, dang, this is a little gold mine. And yeah. the guy I'm with is a go getter. Cause he's been doing like, he's been an appraiser and he has a good work, work ethic as you know, being a drug addict as well as myself. Yeah. So we both like, I always thought that was like. Okay, dude, like... It's a perfect opportunity. Yeah, like, I can still use drugs, you know, and uh, I don't need to be fully sober, but, like, hey, you know, as long as we're doing something productive with my life, you know, this is good, but, uh... That like, money dwindles very quick. Yeah, then this... Good, healthy drug habit. Yeah, going. then the second time we did that, I went down to the railroad tracks. I was still living in a house at this time, mm-hmm. and, uh... I noticed there was some some random dude and a couple girls, and uh, he was like, hey, dude, Danny, we just took acid. I'm like, what the hell? We're going to go to the swap meet and sell stuff. <laughs> and he's like, no, but we'll take acid and go to the swap meet. I'm like, well, dude, I don't have any acid, and I don't have any money right now. Like, yeah. So he hits up this guy, we end up taking acid, and uh, it, it and uh, we load up my truck or whatever. I used to pull my truck driving an hour on the – or not an hour, <laughs> an hour on the railroad tracks, a mile on the railroad tracks. Yeah. And uh, we loaded up real quick, but he takes so long, like I said, it takes some, you know, seven hours to go through a dumpster thoroughly. So, like, I'm trying to, like, 
I don't want cops to see us because you could see us from the freeway, you know, my car loading stuff up. So uh, anyways, that takes like 15, 20 minutes. And uh, we drive down to the swap meet. We pull out all our stuff. And uh, I remember like the acid must have been hitting him because he wanted to do a shot of speed. So he had like this little box. He had these overalls on. He had like this little green hat. Like he looked like Luigi from, uh, <laughs> from Mario or whatever. And he's like, okay, hey, dude, I'm going to go do uh, a shot right now. Like can you watch and sell stuff? And I'm like, yeah, no problem, you know? So, like, he keeps on coming, like, in and out, like, every five minutes. Like, he doesn't get his shot done. Like, he's too fucked he's up. He's on acid. Yeah, he's on acid. And, like, we were already smoking a little bit of the pookie before yeah. that. But, like, dude, he's just out there. And I'm just, like, keep laughing. I'm like, dude, I'm surprised nobody knows, like, what this guy is, like, on. Because he looks so suspect. And then I noticed the acid starts to hit me. Oh, and I'm no. like, I'm like, oh, freak. I got to get away from here. So, I end up walking away uh, to these steps in this little grass area and I just remember looking up in the hills and like there's a bunch of houses on hills in Santa Barbara here and I just remember like all the houses were like wavy and melting and uh, and uh, while I'm sitting on the steps I noticed my buddy Dwayne was actually behind me like in the corner and he was just like hey hey like just trying to get my attention yeah. I'm just like hey what's up He's like hey do you got a cigarette I'm like no <laughs> And uh, after that I remember three other people Just came by and started eating on those steps With us And uh, I'm kind of just like tripping out Because I'm like dude I don't want to talk to anybody No. And so he has like the nerve to ask him Because we're friends you know He's like like all awkward Like hey One of you guys got a cigarette And they're like looking back And they're all scared and nervous Cause oh, like Some guy that's all sweating That looks like Luigi With like this little like Drug box that You can't really see what's in it <laughs> And uh They were like no and It just made it kind of awkward And then uh Our neighbors at, at this time Nobody's watching the stuff We're trying to sell Because we're just too messed up mm-hmm. And the people next to us Were like hey Hey Hey, there's some guy that wants to buy something. And I'm just like, fuck that. I'm not going over there because I'm tripping. Like, I'm afraid, like, people are going to call the cops on me, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, long story short, I finally, we finally agreed that the both of us would walk over there together because he wouldn't go alone. I wouldn't go alone. So we had to go together. (laughs) Oh, my God. So we went over there and then they're like, dude, this guy wanted to buy this thing. And we're like, like kind of built like a resentment like well how come you didn't sell it for us <laughs> so like we're we still have the same amount of stuff that that what we came with i think we made 20 bucks in the beginning or something some some small increment and uh i just remember like he was like he was like okay well like we could leave these books and like this other stuff and i'm like yeah dude leave that stuff like nobody's ever gonna buy that so like i finally get our, our car up uh, all packed up And I'm trying to leave Like ASAP And then I finally Get him in the car And he was just like Oh wait What about this This and that Like all the stuff I'm trying to leave behind And I'm like Fuck I almost got him Out of here So like he has Like all these books On his lap Uh huh And uh I remember We get in the car And we're driving away And I didn't notice These things until We're on the freeway I noticed that He didn't have his door closed He didn't have a seatbelt on We're both on acid and I just remember, <laughs> like, I noticed his door was open, and I'm like, dude, your door is open. So, like, he would, like, take his hands off the books and put them on the door, 
But then the books would start to fall, so he'd try to catch these old books, and then the door would start to open again, and, like, it was going back and forth. Like, was he driving? No, I was driving, oh but he's a passenger, so, like, I'm assessing all of this. <laughs> Just, like, look at him. He doesn't want to let these books fall on the floor, even though they're already, like, old so he's going back and, and, and dirty. The books in the door. And, well, no, he's trying to close the door because the door's open. It's not yeah. closed all the way, and he has no seatbelt on, so, like, he doesn't know what to do, so finally I, I pull off the freeway and I just ended up reaching over and I slam his door and uh, I just I hop back I take city streets after that because I was kind of nerve wracking you know yeah driving on acid is not easy I've done it actually almost every time I've been on acid I've driven and mushrooms I've driven my car and it was a nightmare it was horrible yeah I just remember like the whole time I was messed up is like uh, there's this commercial around here from this guy uh, George Thomas he goes like this you got a friend in the dying business George Thompson <laughs> and I remember him on acid like you got a friend in the dying business George Thompson he was oh my god that's weird and then like he he had this thought in his head of like some girl that did him wrong or something uh, he's like stuck in his yeah, head yeah but like he's gay he, he he's gay which I have nothing against that. It's just to put this in perspective for you. Yeah. Is I just remember he kept on saying, oh, yeah, well, Kim thinks she's a bitch, but I'm a bigger bitch. <laughs> and I just remember he kept on saying, like, those two lines, like, you got a friend in the dining business. Oh, yeah, but she's a bitch. I'm a bigger bitch. Dude, that's funny, dude. Yeah. We, it, we had a dude um, in Central Coast, and he was called Big Gay Al. And he would try and get... Like addicts to hang out, and he'd always have meth. And yeah, he'd try to seduce everybody, get them all methed out, and see if they would be into doing weird, freaky, kinky shit. And uh, I remember, I'm not gonna drop his name, but uh, I remember one of my friends, he was all who shot out on speed, and he was living, he was staying with Big Gay Al at the Motel 6 on 4th Street, and uh, he, he just was, like, telling me horror stories. Like, yeah, dude, I shot up some speed with Big Gay Al, and he was trying to rub my shoulders and this and that. And I was like, yeah, that's why you don't hang out with Big Gay Al. Like, yeah, yeah, unless you're into that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, if you're into that, then, yeah, go get freaky with Big Gay Al. But it's like, dude, you're going to be – dude, the most every Motel 6 is just full of just trap house – like, trap pads and fucking tweakers. And oh, it's just a nightmare. Like, I've shot up way too much – Drugs in a Motel Six, especially the one on Fourth Street, it was it was spooky. Like in downtown LA. No, this was up in uh, Central Coast. Up oh, okay. In, by San Luis, uh, I, I I always had an apartment when I was was uh, strung out in LA um, because I I was like, dude, I was sitting on a lot of money. Like even though like even when I got in trouble for the dispensary, I was sitting on enough money to like take time off working there. Like. And then uh, when I uh, – because I got pulled over once in L.A. and I had all these concentrates and I had a warrant out for my arrest because it was like a failure to appear for like a petty theft charge or something. And they wrote like the wrong date on my fucking little ticket or whatever they gave me because I, I stole some like – Starbucks double shots or something and uh, security caught me like undercover like undercover uh, – 
you know those people who dress like they're shoppers, but they're really like checking store security. Yeah. They, I, I walk secret out. Shoppers secret shoppers. Secret shoppers. I used yeah. to work at Target, so I could point them out and. Yeah, dude. I, I was like, quickly. I wasn't even. I was thinking I was just stoned off weed, and I, I walk out, and dude, this chick is standing in front of me trying to block me, and I'm like, why is this chick doing this weird dance in front of me? And then like, I, some dude just comes up and puts me in a headlock, and my buddy Gabe, I'm like, Gabe. Help. Watch him on the stomach, help me. And he was just like, he had like five sandwiches in his pocket. So he was just like, I don't know you, dude. I'm getting away. <laughs> hey, every man for himself yeah, at that time. I was like, fuck. So then the cops get called and I was like, because there's no alcohol and anything. So they just, uh, they, uh, cite, uh, they, the cops just wrote me up and let me go, but I never appeared. So then I get, <laughs> you know, fast forward like six months, I'm coming back. I, I went up for the holidays to see my parents and I got a, I got a trunk full of inventory from the dispensary. And uh, I stop at the there's like a little exit on the 101 by uh, Malibu okay. right before you get into LA, and so I get lost. I miss the fucking uh, on ramp or whatever to get back on the freeway, and a cop pulls me over, runs my oh, runs gosh. my ID, you know, sees I have a warrant. So I am in the back of the cop car. They're searching all my shit. They find all this weed, and they, they and then they go through my cell, my five cell phones or whatever. See all my text messages to my delivery drivers. Think they caught like some big fucking. Pablo Escobar of weed or something. I'm like, dude, I have the fucking permits and licensing to work at a dispensary. Like, fuck you guys. But then I was in jail. I got busted. I got bailed out and uh, just went right back to work for the dispensary. But I got eventually got put on three years probation. So then, you know, fast forward again, I'm strung out on oxys because I finally worked my way up. The, the ladder to find this guy who always had oxys, oxy 80s. He had the OPs and he had, he would even get the, he even would like find the old school oxys, the ones you could take the yeah, film off. Yeah, you take the film off. Yeah. Those were hard to come, those were hard to come by even back in the day. It's yeah, like, yeah. Once and, a doctor got popped, boom, there goes oh, all yeah. my plugs. Oh, that happened all the time. So then I found, I could always have oxys and so then like, you know, one night, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm strung out on oxys. And he's like, I found some of my old 80s. You want to come over and get some? I'm like, fuck yeah. So <laughs> You're already there. <laughs> I drive there. It's 12 at night, and there's just a cop parked out around the corner. And I'm like, fuck. So then I get pulled over. <laughs> you know, I got like $1,500 oh, in random bills all in my little center fucking glove box. Three just cell- thrown in there. Yeah, three Not cell even. phones and a joint. And so then they like I'm like yeah I got a joint in the car so then they search me again and raid my fucking bungalow apartment in Pasadena find more weed find like twenty thousand dollars and five envelopes you know took as they didn't they took all the money took almost all the weed I mean there was a bunch of weed they forgot they they left they were missed and they and uh, I go to jail again get bail I bail myself out go to my bungalow apartment and just thrashed shit on the floor everywhere. And I, and by that point I'm like, dude, I'm going to be sick. So I like, I hope they didn't find my oxys. I had a little rubber dab container and it had like five oxys left. I'm oh, like, thank geez. God they didn't find my oxys. That's the best feeling right there. And then like <laughs> I tapered down. So I'd take like a whole 80 and then the next day a half and the next day a quarter. I mean, I was still sick, but it, it kind of cushioned the fall of withdrawal. Yeah. So uh, helps out a little bit. So then I, I was in and out of court for like a year year finally went to jail at LA County at the Twin Towers and then when I got out I had a big check coming to me because the, you know the, dis- the owners of the dispensary felt bad they're like fuck they didn't know I was strung out on Oxy but yeah. then I, I, I ended up uh, moving back in with my parents I gave them a bunch of money just for like to kind of cover rent but then I was up there and I was leading into like Motel 6's oh yeah so like 
yeah, I just hang out with like towards the end of my run, I was hanging out with all these fucking just like just shot out fuckers, dude. Boneheads, like, I call them. Yeah, dude. Like, and not all of them were old heads. Some were younger, but like one of the dudes, Tim, who got kicked out of here. <laughs> I, I started like Wait, uh, Tim that got kicked out of here? Yeah, I don't know if you were here when he got kicked out. But my buddy Rai Rai, Tim, Brendan, oh, oh. all of them got kicked out at once for using here. I, I yeah, I got the how I got my bed is when that incident happened. You the got the, in the right following after. week I got in, but I was calling Because there was an for, opening. Yeah, open I think bed. it was like forty to fifty five days in a row I was calling. And uh after that incident Podcast. happened the next week I was able to get in here proved it yeah what's up big tony tone <laughs> tell them on our podcast come join <laughs> um that was tony the night crew guy i i, I work uh sometimes security for yeah, him once dude, a week i don't know how you pull that off it's uh you it's, stay up all night at the front desk that's insane <laughs> Yeah, I like it because I'm, like, contributing back to a place that's given me so much. Or just being sober and uh, trying to live a better life. Like, I tend to want to do things for others without being acknowledged or, like... Well, yeah, you I just want to give of... back, you know? What I have, I want to give back. Especially to this this grateful... Or like this beautiful community I'm in. Yeah, you're contributing. Yeah, but the most difficult part about that is uh, when you live... With these, uh, when we all live with each other, and I'm a client, and there's also a client, but then when it comes to me becoming security, that's like staff, and then I gotta sometimes hold people accountable. And uh, when I think it's like my best friend, you know, and uh, they think I'm gonna do favors for them, I, I don't, you know, because, oh, yeah, it, because it's they, my job, and then you know, then that's the most difficult part about the job and uh, they transitioning. Try to, they try to manipulate you. To abuse your power that you get from the job. Yeah, and it's like when you do it, you know, like it almost makes you feel bad at first because I'm not like on a straight, narrow path with this. Like uh, it's still a trial and error. Like I'm still trying to relearn how to like to do this in a respectful manner without trying to ups- hurt someone's feelings. But at the end of the day, I've realized like I can be humble or respectful to this individual. And if he doesn't like the answer and comes at me sideways, that's I, – I know now it's, personal it, problem. it's not right for me to attack him with the same energy they're throwing back at me. I can just remain cool and calm. I don't have to feed into that now, which, uh, you know, it took a long time to, to build that up. But now it's like I don't want to give that away for anything. Oh yeah, I get reactionary sometimes and catch myself doing that, and and then I have to, like, since I've been here, at least I catch myself acting out with old character defects. Whereas before, I was just like enthralled in my way of interacting or or, or existing. Like I was just like, this is who I am, and deal with it. But yeah, mine, now, mine, it's weird. Yeah, mine comes like more in like the thoughts of like. Well, then you get stuck in your head about it. Yeah, I get, I get, I get stuck in my head, or I set trip on future things. Oh, I think just because. All the time. Yeah, and it, it's over nothing. Like I think this individual is doing this, 
And it like what I've noticed is like that throws me off my program and throws my energy towards them instead of focusing back on myself. So like today I have to make like a, a, a weekly planner of like what I'm doing and then set my little goals. That way I'm less likely to focus on others because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I just want to be happy for everyone. But like, that's one thing that's been difficult for me lately. So like right now I, I've, I've signed up at the city college and I already made my schedule for school when it starts next month. And, uh, I just, I'm basically just trying to focus on myself in the beginning or at least for the first year. I'm like eight you months clean to. right now. Yeah. Eight months. But okay, it, so eight months. But it's it's hard too, you know, because like coming from like this addict mind is like you want to know everything or every little. You want to be in control of every aspect of your life as possible. Yeah, that, and it's like when stuff's going on around you, like you want to hear the juicy details. It's like, oh, so what happened to this person? Blah blah blah. What did he get kicked out for? You know, like you just want to know everything, and like that's what really hurts me in the long run. Because then once I want to start knowing that, I start becoming that. And, uh, yeah, it's just – it's not me, and I know it's not me. And I I feel really crappy when I, when I start – Feeding into that. Yeah, feeding into that. And then I start doing that, and then I start believing it's okay to do that. But it's like I always know what the right route is. It's just – sometimes it's just – it's very hard to see, but once I start doing it every once day... You, once you recognize those things, it's easier to correct. That, that's a milestone alone by itself. It's once yeah. you recognize those things, and then I'm willing to uh, address them and actually try to find a better solution. You know, because yeah. there are solutions out there, you know. I just know drugs and alcohol were my solution to my problems, and... Uh, well, yeah, I, it was always hard for me to look at it like, oh, yeah. drugs are my solution. But it was like, really, I was just trying to, I was just trying to uh, prescribe something for the broken parts inside of myself. Yeah. You know? Well, I didn't even realize, I didn't even understand what that meant until like maybe a, a couple weeks ago, and I just realized like, oh, so when I get all these problems, you know, dude, I just look for the easy solution is just to get loaded, and then I'll Instinct. deal with it the next day. Instinct. But then these problems keep on piling up to the point where I just snap, or I lose my job, yeah. or I go to jail, or I end up homeless, or it's just a pattern of all those things building up. But like, it, it took me a long time, like, because you always have these thoughts, like, what about this problem? What about that problem? What about that? It's like today and now, all I all I try to focus on is what can I do now, you know? Because I can't change the past. We all know that. Yeah. But it still sucks when you got to reflect on the past and like these thoughts that keep me up at night. Like, shoot, why did I do that? So all I can really do is now, and I just try to be the the best I can be every day. Whether that'll be like, uh, you know, I just try to be thoughtful of others. Yeah. Most po- possible. Like today to do this podcast, you know, like uh, we were going to come in here at a certain time and do it. But uh, somebody walked right in without even knowing we're doing this podcast. And then staff came in and I'm like, I had to ask him like, hey, can we still do the podcast in here? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, OK, we'll just do the podcast after this individual that doesn't know what's going on is done on the computer. So like. That's what I mean by like trying to be thoughtful of others and not being selfish. Like, oh, we got a podcast in here, so you got to get out of here. It's like, no, you know what? Just 
let them know that they feel welcomed, you know, dude. Yeah. And, like, that's what I mean by being thoughtful for others. It's all about compromise. Yeah, that's my main example today. And uh, those come every day, but uh, they get easier and easier to deal with as uh, time goes by and I keep doing the right thing. It's like cognitive behavioral therapy. You have to keep pounding it into your fucking brain because we are so used to the muscle memory of doing things a certain way, so it's really easy for us to revert back to that way of thinking and reacting. Yeah, and I, re- I recall when you brought that up in a, a in our, our what tracking should we call group. it, tracking group. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I was reading this book called The, uh, the Right Side of History by Ben Shapiro, and he was oh, talking yeah. about uh, cognitive behavioral therapy and how you like assess your problems or deal with them. And after I read that line in the book and I came back into tracking group the next week, since I already know like I understand like what we're trying to do, like I just focused on that for the whole week and I came in with my problem and I addressed it proper properly, you know, yeah. like on how I would handle it. And like I remember in tracking group he's all, man, you're really good at like putting this into real life situations like wow good job yeah but like it was little just as long as i know what's the purpose of this group because all they would say is cognitive therapy or behavioral therapy and that's when uh uh, right here brought it up so uh, i don't know i just know it's really helpful for me is like when i know like what's the purpose of this group like yeah. you got to tell me in person because i felt like we were just coming in here pick a topic and read about it like i didn't know we were trying to like ass- assess how we behave in certain situations and how we how we solve our own problems because nobody interrupts each other or gives advice like we just work it through our own process yeah which i like but it was just really helpful to read that little line and then i had the the bigger picture of how come we do this group yeah, I, I think for you, you're, you're like a results-oriented person, so you want to know what you're going to get out of it ahead of time so you can put the motivation into it. Yeah, because I, I feel like it, like at first I was like, man, this is kind of like baloney because like, <laughs> I'm just coming in here unexpected and like I don't know what we're doing. Sometimes we'll do a check-in. Sometimes we'll do a topic or like I just don't know. Sometimes we talk about acceptance and I'm just like, I don't get like – the the point of this because i could solve it so simply but like there's only right now there's only like five of us in in our group well now six yeah six but we have an hour and it's kind of difficult to talk about acceptance you know each of us say for i don't know say 10 to 12 minutes each yeah so it's like yeah acceptance you know it's like i can wrap that up in a minute but like these other 11 minutes used to get me frustrated because like i I just solved it so simply and i'm still talking about this yeah so yeah i mean that's where i gotta stay open-minded again too you know because i'm here to grow and uh you know mostly it's all about being willing too. open-minded and willing is uh the two key factors to help me uh, be more productive and successful in this early sobriety. Yeah, even I even think after you have a year under your belt, you're still technically in early sobriety. Oh yeah, I know? I agree, I agree. <laughs> and like for me, it's like this is a 12 month program, but even when I'm done with this program, you know, I'm not making any guarantees, but I I envision myself graduating. But it's like I know. I can't just be thrown back into society. I need to take stepping stones and go, 
into sober living because it's like I still am going to need that accountability because I've seen so many people like like my co-host for example he was like oh fuck sober living I've been in all these drug programs I'm in a 12 month program I'm you know I want my freedom back I re- I, rec- I recall that I remember we were talking about his uh, situation yeah and I, I, yeah my tracker even said like they were giving him shit about it like you know you need to be in sober living and they were joking with him about yeah. it because it's like oh you're gonna what are you gonna do you're gonna move in with a bunch of college girls you're gonna be in college around that culture and that lifestyle of people who are just getting a sense of freedom and so they're gonna abuse it at first and party and you know some of them are going to become addicts and some of them are going to not be afflicted but it's like you out of anyone are already afflicted so you don't need to be exposing and surrounding yourself with all that temptation without yeah and what else did he do he didn't he wasn't going to meetings he wasn't calling his sponsor he wasn't practicing steps he was like not doing any of that so it's like it's like he put i mean and he's a he's an overachiever and he's a workaholic so he went really hard in the gym and in school and in work and he yeah. did all that before his recovery and I'm not trying to be preachy right now it just it's it's just like dude it the, this thing has been practiced for what's like a has been around since what the 30s you know yeah longer it's like it's it's kind of tried and true it's like you, you it's like it the I know it's so cliche but they say it works if you work it but if you stop working it then of course you're not going to get the results you get in what you put out of it so it's like you know and, and we're addicts like we have to we have to exercise this every day which I mean at first was a daunt, seemed like a daunting task but you know like this is the first time I've ever been an inpatient I've gotten more growth in these 90 days or so than I've ever gotten in any court-ordered drug program. Yeah, you know? I, I would say the hardest part for me was like, I just recall being out there just wanting, telling myself every day I'm making a resolution that I'm going to get clean. And then like I would go to a meeting, personally I had like these speaker meetings out in Goleta, mm-hmm. and uh, I would like talk to somebody that was like my age, and they would say like I'd have like nine, they would say like nine years clean or three years clean, and I would always close my mind and go man i can never do that like i only got three days clean you know so like right then and there like i'm not even giving myself a shot or a chance to try to do better like because i realize now is like those people that have multiple years like they started exactly where i was it doesn't matter if you know they're in a house or i'm homeless or they're living in a car or they came from jail like it's just working on your inner self at first and nothing else that's the most important it's just being selfish to work on yourself to become better and i don't really think that's selfish but like the way i viewed it like it's a healthy form of selfishness yeah there we go you know like and i i guess the program kind of teaches you to be selfish to a point in your recovery but it's like you know for me i always was like selfish in different ways where it's like I don't want to help others, so I don't, you know, like, I'm not yeah. going to get anything out of that, but yeah, in return, I, I, I... Yeah, you have money? I'll go help you drive to the dope man as long yeah. as you kick me back. Oh, yeah, that's self-seeking all the way, but it's yeah. like, you know, now I'm self But I'll help you get there. <laughs> I, I like to fool my addict brain into being like, okay, well, I know this is going to benefit me, so I'm going to help others because I'm selfishly knowing it's going to help me in the same run, but it's like... I guess that's more compassionate than selfish, but it's like, I know, like, you know, my mind tricks me into thinking, oh, you know, um, 
oh, I just want to stay at home and be on my phone or I want to play video games or I want to do something or this or that. But it's like I know the things my my brain immediately tells me I probably don't want to do benefit me in the long run and even the day by day. So it's like I'm constantly having to rewire my brain into understanding that what, you know, from, I guess from learning from the steps is that, you know, like I'm going to gain more. Like they say, you know, you, you keep what you have by giving it away. That's so, so like, I hate all these cliche statements, but yeah. it's like, it, I mean, they're, they're cliche because people say them a lot because they're true and they actually, like, and, and a lot of worth. people, yeah. And a lot of people don't even do it, you know, mm-hmm. or they'll do it for like a week and then they just stop doing it. They're just, I don't know if it's just laziness or closed-mindedness, but it's just, like, it's just crazy, though. It's, like, the, the the most difficult, like, while I was going through this process is, like, like I always thought, like, it was going to be difficult, like, doing this part of the program. Let, let's say, like, I had to write out an inventory. Like, I thought that was difficult. And then after I was done, I was like, that wasn't that, that hard. And then when I moved on to the next part, like... I thought that was hard and then when it was done like I got this relief yeah and like I'm like that wasn't hard and like that keeps on happening but like all I'm doing is trying to be consistent and build this new way of life that way it becomes easier each and every day you know like I hated being out there being miserable every day doing things I didn't want to do just to survive and then now it's like at first like i i was uncomfortable doing these things but like over time it's like i like doing these things it's like i like helping others i like having more meaningful relationships and now today i have a a a sense of purpose and uh it's just crazy what how you could change your life within six months is like before, it was just like having no um, no defense. If somebody else had drugs, or the dealer texted me or called me and said, "Hey, I just read up. My boy got that fire." <laughs> like, like in a heartbeat, I would think about it for a second. Okay, uh, yeah, maybe I'll come down later or tomorrow. Boom, ten minutes. Hey, man, where you at? I'll be right there. Yeah. And it's like even in recovery, like I remember I went back to my old. Uh, stomping grounds to uh, see a few people to uh, express how I feel about them now and how I can make things better I guess between each other but uh, I I saw this guy Randy he's older guy and I told him how I've been cleaning for about six months and then he starts talking to me about how like he has this big old dope bag and he pulls it out in front of me and he's like man dude I can't find anybody to like buy more than a five or a 20 and like see me sober and I used to get high with him like he was like trying to like entice me to uh to to buy some he totally was and like if I wasn't doing this this sober trying to live this different way like my old ways like boom I wouldn't want right back out but now it just gave me that like half a second or a second to think about the consequences and there was like no obsession or craving to go and do it like I just knew like if I did that like like I know what what's gonna happen and uh I I left that situation like at first it was like mixed emotions like nervousness like anxious like a little bit bit of fear like it's so hard to describe that feeling because I have a hard time uh, expressing my feelings even till this day. But like I'm, I'm still practicing it, you know, and uh, 
man, after I went home, like, I just got that much stronger. And every time little incidents like this happens, I keep on getting stronger and stronger from it. And uh, I just know my, my program fluctuates every day, you know? Oh, for sure. So it's not like every day I, I got to do this, like, hardcore. Like, I, like, really, I do the bare minimum at most. I, I did the math. It's like sometimes it's f- around 4% of my time during the whole day that I actually work on myself. If that and that includes the one hour of uh, when I go out to these outside places and I talk to other people, mm-hmm. but like really, like it's not that much time. Like, I used to uh, just drag on, like, oh gosh, I gotta go, like, I gotta go do this thing for an hour, blah blah blah. But really, now I like to go do these things. I like to, I, I'm just a big believer in helping others and uh. I just want to see. I just want to see everybody do good. You know, like I don't like seeing people do bad. Yeah, I and, had a hard time seeing people leave this this place. Like, dude, there's been like eight people that have like either left or gotten kicked out since I've been here in ninety days. Yeah, and, and that blows my mind. You know, but I guess I should have expected yeah, that. Yeah, and I it's it's know. crazy because like I've I've been here a little bit longer than so. Uh, I've seen a lot of people leave, and uh, it's crazy. I always see it, like, a day or two before, I'll, I'll start seeing, like, the, these patterns in them. And it's, like, I remember one of the guys was just, like, started acting weird. He's like, hey, dog, I, like, I don't want to take my medicine anymore. So that happened the next night. He's like, hey, dog, dude, like, things are, like, I feel like demons are talking to me or blah, blah, Holy blah. Holy shit, was I here for He's this tripping? No. And then, and then the next day, dog, dude, my roommate's feet stink, blah, blah, blah. And then the next day, I'm at the gym and I come back. Hey, dog, they kicked me out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I, I got in a fight with my bunkie. And it was all because his feet smelled. So, like, <laughs> like you, you see how, like, these little things can end up costing you, like, a lot in your early sobriety. And, like, and most of the people that go back out, like, it's difficult for them to get back into it, you know? Because I, I, I've oh, done that before. Sure. And just difficult. so much guilt and shame and embarrassment. Like, just so much embarrassment, you know? But, like, at the end of the day, it's like, dude, I love a trier. Like, I will help anybody out as long as they're willing to try. You put the effort out. Yeah. It's like, you know, if it takes you a year just to learn this one little thing, like, I'm cool with that as long as you're willing to engage you know, and that's, try to make yourself better. That's the person I like. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm tripping out for this move. Like, oh gosh, that's gonna really define and make or break a lot of people in this house. Oh, I'm dude. not gonna name names, but like, I mean, for those that don't know, we're when I first got here, they were, or even when I was doing my intake with um, the head. I don't know what the position title is. District. We'll call him the director of the operations. The director of operations. Um, you know, uh, you like everyone was in this. I guess this is technically the sober living, but they moved everybody into the sober living so they could do renovations on the the actual building, and it was all torn down and and they were doing all this construction. But now the whole program is just switched up. So when uh, when like. I guess in two days we're moving back into the regular building. Back in the dorms from back. our from our suites, two man room suites. Oh, dude! Some of them three. Yeah, uh, <laughs> some of them are six six bed 
dorms and uh, I thank God I got into a four yeah. bed dorm. Yeah, you got I, into a four bed dorm. Yeah, I got into four. Yeah, I got into a four man room. Yeah, so like <laughs> now it's like I know it's going to be more more work required of us or whatever, but it's also going to be like like if someone doesn't shower. Or if someone pisses on the toilet seat or the pisses on the floor or if someone is like slacking in their job, they're going to get held accountable way more when we move next door. So it's like I know more is going to be required of me towards next week, but I also know I can step up to the plate and get it done. Whereas a lot of the a lot of people, they don't have that work ethic or they're just lazy or they just don't clean up after themselves, they're all going to get held accountable. Oh, yeah. So those little resentments that I felt, I just am like, dude, I'm not even tripping on that because as soon as we move, they're going to get called out on their shit like like crazy. And it's like, <laughs> it's even weird doing this fucking recording in this learning center room because it's like, dude, everything is like moved out already. There's yeah. stacks of new bunks and boxes here. like Just a bunch of boxes. Like every. I'm in learning center right now, and uh, it's pretty barren. There's yeah. probably an echo in here. Like, there's only one art picture on the wall, and before there was like all over the room. Yeah, no, it's gonna be crazy. Like, and then going from, but it's also gonna be cool because we'll get back on work crews. I'm excited for that. I never knew, or I, when I got here, it was I never did work crew. Like, you've been, if you've been in this building the whole time. Yeah, I've been in. The, I've been in the same room since I've been here, and I've already had. One, two, three roommates. One of them graduated just a week ago. And both my my roommates I've had, former and current, both of them have relapsed and had to leave the program. Oh, yeah. And only one of them, only one of them had the courage to come back and actually do this thing, which yeah. I'm really proud of him for doing it. Yeah, me too. Man, my, oh, dude, I, this is a good story. My old bunkie, oh, dude, he was clinically insane, dude. Oh, are we talking about uh, my old sober buddy? Oh, no, 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 no. It was... uh, Okay. No, 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 no. This was... uh, So... I'm I'm thinking about Joe. Yeah. No, he was my my bunkie. I didn't know he was your sober buddy. Oh, no, not that one. I'm thinking of uh, Rob Dizzle. Oh, okay. No, he, he was he literally lasted less than 48 hours. And, See, th- uh, that's how many people ha- have come so, in yeah. and out. It's like I've just mentioned all these names. We, we can't even keep track. I no. should have from the beginning, but it's... He, I mean, he was here for so sh- such a short amount of time, but like... So, I'm in one of the few rooms that has three beds because it's a little bit bigger. Most of the beds here on this side of the... You know, of the whole building or this building is two two bedrooms, and uh, you know, for a while, I had three, and then one of them moved to the phase four room, so it was me and um, my current bunkie, and then uh, we had Joe move in, and uh, holy shit, dude, this guy he was super shaky, super spooked by everything, and at first I he seemed he seemed okay, you know, like, but then as uh, as time progressed, like, and, and this I mean this is a forty eight hour like span of time, but like, you know, like there's like his first night here, he the next morning he goes up to my other bunkie and he's like he's like so what's up with that slice shit you're trying to pull in your sleep, homie? 
He said that to you? No, my the, uh, my other bunkie. Oh. He goes down there in the dining room. He's like, what's up with that sly shit you're trying to pull in your sleep? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, I see you trying to pull that sly shit in your sleep, homie. You can't fool nobody with that. And it's like, he's like, what sly shit? I was asleep. Yeah. How am I going to pull anything sly when I'm asleep? He's like, whatever, dog. Whatever. And then like, oh my god, he was still he's still coming down. No, no, I think he was I think he was schizophrenic or said schizoaffective disorder, and he just wasn't diagnosed because like he 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 was like he would trip out like I'd see him spacing out, staring at a dollar bill, and he'd be like, look at this dollar bill, it's so crisp, and then he would just stare at it. He had an obsession with and a fascination with currency. Like he'd hang dollar bills up on the window, and like it was weird. And then like I he he would like he'd be talking, but then I I would think he was talking to me, yeah. and I'd be like, what'd you say? And he'd just be like, and he wouldn't say nothing. And so he was really talking to like the voices in his head. And I'd wake up at night, and he'd be sitting at the edge of his bed, staring at the wall for hours and stuff. And I was like, whoa, this is scary. And so uh, I think like towards the second day, because we they make us go on. If you're, if you're on 30 days and under here, you have to go on mandatory walks on the weekend. Oh, and you just gosh. walk around town. Then we'd be going on a walk and he'd like dip out into the bathrooms for a little bit and then come back and he'd be hiding and like being like, you know, secretive. And apparently he had a phone and you're not allowed to have a phone the first nine months here. So, uh, and then I'd see him with his phone and, uh, he'd be like, He'd be like, yeah, if you need to send a text out, let me know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm good, dude. And that gave it away. Like, I remember he reached out and pulled it out of his pocket the first night. And I'm like, looking at him like, oh, okay. Gosh. Like, I, I wasn't going to say anything to him because I was still kind of fresh, too. I was early here. Yeah, but it puts you in a really, really awkward situation when that happens. Oh, for sure. And then, like, say staff would have walked in and then uh, they see him with his phone and then they start to question you and then it just makes your stay that much more uh Awkward. Miserable here yeah. because now staff can't really trust you, so now they're going to have an eye on you more. So yeah, then you're under spotlight. Yeah, that's what sucks when people break the rules in front of you. Is it puts you in a really bad spot. Well, yeah, and then you're stuck in your head about it. But yeah, I wasn't <laughs> tripping. I was like, dude, I don't, I, at the time I didn't have my secret cell phone, so I was like, whatever, dude. And then, um, you know, the second night he's like walking <laughs> around the day room with his phone out in front of like. All the people in the house, all the residents. And, you know, people are like, is that a phone? And he's Gosh. like, he's like, yeah, I got a phone. And he's like trying to show it off. And I'm like, I was like, and everyone's like, dude, what is this kid doing? Like, he's just whipping his phone out in front of everybody. He doesn't even know them well enough or whether they're going to gossip about it or snitch about it. And so then the next morning, and every time I'd walk in, the, he'd always knock to come into our room. And I'm like, dude, you don't have to knock. You live in this room. Just open <laughs> yeah. the door. And then when I, I guess it's because he wanted us to knock, but he never said nothing. And then every time I'd walk in the room, he'd be on his phone. And then he'd, he, as soon as the door opened, he'd be like, oh, and he'd like go and hide his phone real quick, oh, all gosh. scared. I'm like, dude, dude, whatever, dude. So At least stand in the closet when you do that. Or in the bathroom or something. Yeah, where you could lock a door. Kind of break a rule, like have some, be like, I don't know. But so then the next morning he's in bed on his phone and uh, Tony, the night crew guy who just walked in here earlier, he goes in and he was like, sees him on his phone and he's like, is that a phone? And he's like. Is that an iPhone? And he's like, no, it's an, it's an iPod. <laughs> sure, sure it is. Oh, my God. So then he's like, okay. And then he leaves. Then this dude, this dude Joe, he goes down in the dining room, and he has his phone laying out there right on the table. 
Oh my! Like an idiot. Uh, I was in bed still sleeping, and it was like Sunday. And uh, yeah, I'm always a sleeper. Gone. I, I remember I was gone when this incident happened. Yeah. So then one of staff walks in the dining room and sees his phone on the table. He's like, "What's that?" He's like, "You got a phone?" And he's like, "Uh, uh, uh." And then he just takes his phone. So then we go over to church because every Sunday we have to go to church over across the street. And uh, he's just, like, looking really weird and, like, you know, just pissed. And then uh, he was staring at the staff member, like, gripping onto a pen like it's a shank, just, like, staring crazy at him. And it's like, dude, everyone knows this dude's weird and, like, psycho and unpredictable. So then our staff got spooked. And then, like, I remember in the hallway, this said staff member was like, dude, are you good? And he's like... He's like, yeah, I'm good. Are you good? You look a little scared. You look a little nervous right now. And the staff was like, I'm good. But I'm sure he was kind of, you know, tripping on it. I would be too, this so, unpredictable oh, yeah, they guy threw him off, out. off the streets yeah, for they, all we know. Yeah, they. I mean, they threw him out that very day. And uh, I remember him having all his shit in his hand and walking down the street. Never saw him again. I mean, some people said they saw him, like, under a bridge here and there. But it's like, his parents... Like, from the sounds of it, his parents weren't going to take him back. You know, I'm sure they... Who knows what kind of hell that he put them through. But it's like... I, I felt bad. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God. I'm so glad he's not in my room anymore. Because, dude, then we started clearing out the stuff he left. And he had, like, this fucking sharpened butter knife shanks, like, sticking out of a shoebox right by his head. Yeah. So, I guess if he got spooked, he could whip out a little plastic butter knife shank. And I was like, oh, my God, this dude, this dude literally had a little plastic butter knife shank under his bed at all times. I was like, at least I can sleep with both eyes closed now. Because, like, me and my bunkie were just like, we're like, this dude's weird. And uh, Oh, gosh. Yeah, who knows where he is now. But it's like, I feel for people like that because I, I don't have any kind of mental disorder like, like that. And I'm, I'm definitely grateful I don't. But it's like, at the same time, I'm like, dude, I don't want to live in the same room as that kind of person. I'd rather live in a room with someone who stinks than someone who's insane. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's it just like this place doesn't take dual diagnosis people for a bunch of reasons. But it's like they're not equipped to, 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 to handle people like that, especially if they're not diagnosed. And it's like they, they already have enough on their hands getting people down with recovery. But then to have also diagnose someone and get them on the right medication and stuff, it's just like. Oh gosh, it's a process. Yeah. Well, there's also other places in town where, uh, like, they have uh, living for people with dual diagnosis. But I'm not, yeah. It, yeah, it's like I always thought like they do a really good thorough screening process, but like you really don't know like. Well, a lot of people have a little, you know. Yeah, you really don't know until, like, you start seeing them every day and you can actually see their habits. Exactly. And plus, like, it's always, like, how well are they going to behave, like, under pressure, you know? That's like, true, too. Like, like that's that's the one you can't see, like, in a face-to-face or whatever. Like, you yeah, got to wait for an incident to happen. It's only, like, 15, 20 minutes. So yeah. it's like, how are you, well are you going to get to know someone in 15, 20 minutes? <laughs> Not you know? very well. No. Like, that one dude who left... After, you know, two days, he just, he just walked right out. He's like, I'm not feeling this left. And then that night he's in an alleyway smoking meth, looking at porn all night on his fucking phone. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. I just remember being at the beach and some guy pointed towards the hills and said, you know, up in those mountains, dude, that's where I used to, or up on this little hill. That's where I used to smoke dope, you know, and camp out. And then boom, later that day within like four or five hours, Hey, what happened to this guy? Oh, he's gone. 
And I felt like that triggered him just hearing that. Oh, he was on the, he, he, he was there when he heard that? Yeah, he was there and that's what triggered him. And he started asking people like things at the house and then he took off. I saw, I saw him at Smart and Final that day. Oh yeah, the day he got kicked out? Yeah, he's all, hey dude, what's up? I left. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I gotta go. He would, sh- yeah, and then he would show up next door with the homeless and we'd serve him dinner because yeah. he had nowhere to go. And he was like dressed nice. He had nice clothes and stuff. I was like, dude, why would you just leave just to be homeless? Like, and then he told me like he, he showed up on the homeless side to get food one day. And I'm like, he had a bit, he like, his eye was red and he had I, a black eye. I saw him. I, I think I was the, the first person that saw him after that incident Yeah. because it happened Saturday night and I was at the gym like Sunday evening and like to get to my gym or the way I take from uh, the main road is like it's a little zigzag through these little businesses yeah. under like this little like not tunnel thing but like I guess you can call it a tunnel and then another tunnel and I and I'm, I get out of the gym and I just see this guy sitting there that uh with the black eye and I'm like oh jeez what happened to you cause like it, you? it was obvious it was and he's all yeah man dude uh I just ran like 30 miles from like the next closest town blah 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 on the beach barefoot cause he was barefoot at the time and then I, w- I was at the bar and uh I was uh, mouthing off to this guy or blah 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 and he was pretty big dude and I thought I could take him so I swung at him and boom this guy just uh you know he got he got the better of me yeah and he told me he'd been up for days and yeah. he thought this dude was eyeballing him when he probably wasn't and then he picked a fight with him and the dude just started pummeling him and he, he told me that his drunk chick started laughing at him like ha ha <laughs> I was like oh my god dude it got bad for him real quick and then uh Said individual, he, he he was trying to get back in here, and... Uh, it's difficult once you're out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. And especially if you leave after two days, like, they're really going to question your, like, your integrity and your commitment to actually do the program. Yeah. But he, I remember he showed up at a couple meetings. He met some dude at AA, and... Uh, uh, the guy wanted to go on a offered to have him go on his, his boat to sail over to like Hawaii or something. Yeah, he he's going around the world. Around the world on a boat? You're just gonna jump on a boat with a stranger and, and sail around the world in the ocean? Like you don't even know this guy? Like yeah, like, <laughs> like what if this dude's a, dude's a creep? And tries to do some kinky shit with him, like Big Gay Al. And it's like, what are you going to do, swim back to fucking land? <laughs> yeah, you can't go anywhere. The Pacific, man. What are you going to do, dude? Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, this place is weird. Wake up freaking handcuffed. <laughs> well, yeah, he's probably in jail right now because I haven't seen him for a minute. And he was getting arrested here and there for like a night or two here and there. But it's Oh, like, yeah. Once, once you... Get arrested here And they know you Boom They it's just want to keep on Tackling up Charges door. against you Yeah Especially here though It's like They want it Like they go around And do counts sometimes too To make sure This person's there 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 Oh the homeless camps Yeah, yeah. They, The cops are always Going around They're constantly looking It's like They're always up to par on all the game Around this city Because it's It's That's such not, a tourism Yeah Yeah They, they want to keep the tourists Happy And they want to keep The homeless over on the other side of town. Yeah, it's like class warfare up here. Oh, for sure. It's total hypocrisy, dude. Yeah. It's weird. I love Santa Barbara, don't get me wrong. But me too. It's like, there's a big homeless pro- problem here. Yeah. And, um... I mean, there's a lot more 
opportunity or a lot more services for the homeless up here than other cities. I think that's awesome. But it's still a major issue. Like this is one of like the points on the map. No matter where you're from in the United States, it's like you gotta stop in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, all the all the all yeah. the transients. Yeah, always and and here. a lot of them. Like I've had buddies from. Uh, where was it? In South Bend, Indiana, from Texas. And, like, a lot of them, like, just look at a map and they've never been to California. And for some reason, like, they always, like, some of them pick Carpinteria. And then they get to Carpinteria because they think it's a small, isolate town. And, like, Carpinteria doesn't play with, like, like homelessness. Like, they will get you. So then they all end up migrating up to Santa Barbara. That makes sense. So... That's what I've encountered with a few people. That's so funny. All right, hold on. We're at an hour and a half. Dude. You need to tell the story on how you got your bike stolen. Oh. (laughs) This is a good one. Okay, so uh, I bought this bike off. uh, We'll talk about where the bike came from, how it got stolen, and then how I got it back. Yeah. So where the bike came from is... um, one of the individuals from the homeless line next door, he's from Ventura and I'm from Ventura. So we end up talking and I end up buying this bike off him. Um, I didn't ask him if it was stolen or not, you know, for all I know it, it could be, it could be not. I just look at it as it, I hope it's not. Yeah. Even though it's all spray painted, I'll get stuff. <laughs> but uh, it's a nice little fixie. And uh, so I've had this bike since February, and it's July right now, so like six months. And uh, I'm at the gym, you know, I get a good hour and a half workout in or whatever, and I come out and uh, I notice my bike's gone. My first thought is like, shoot, did I really park it here? Because I, I, I parked it in a spot I usually didn't park it at. Did you see your lock was cut or did they take the cut lock? The lock was gone because all I did was unlock it and just tied it to a tree with this metal uh, bar wrapped around the tree. So they had to have cut the lock to get to the yeah, bike. Yeah, they, they have bolt cutters. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Bike theft is a big issue here. Yeah, I've, I remember walking around State Street holding on to my buddy's bolt cutters before and all <laughs> we had was a white sheet around it and like he didn't want to hold them. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to snip no bike. Like this isn't On state. Me- that's a bus. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, good thing I left the gym at that time because I had a commitment I needed to go do. And, uh, so I went and did that and, um, like before I'd be all pissed off or whatever, but like, I was just kind of laughing hysterically. Cause like, what can I do? My bike got stolen. Like, I'm not going to beat myself up over it. Even though like no, I wanted to go find this person. So, uh, I start telling people in the house, and uh, everybody's having their eyes out, which is really awesome about this place and having uh, friends and sobriety. Is, yeah, you we know, got each other's this, back. Yeah. So uh, uh, one of the new guys that I, I guess mentored or tried to show him the right way when he came in, we were uh, – it was a Saturday, and we're right in front of uh, uh, the building we stay in, and I, he sees this individual with my bike. So I look over, he's like, hey, isn't that your bike? And I'm like, oh, shoot. And I know the person that's on the bike. Who, which one of the homeless guys? Is it like? was this cat named Oscar, and I've known him for like a year and a half. Like, I've done speed with him. Yeah. And uh, I don't yell, hey, this is my bike. I'm like, hey, Oscar, come over here. You know, kind of like an aggressive voice. Yeah. And uh, I get him over here. I'm like, what's up, dog? And I, I get him to calm down. Or I get him to kind of like stay still so he can't book it real quick. Yeah. And I just tell him, hey, dog, that's my bike. Yeah. And he's like, what? I bought this bike. I'm like, no, dude, that's my bike. I've had it. You've seen me on this bike, Oscar. And uh, 
I don't know, I kind of started raising my voice. He started getting a little upset, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, hey, I apologize if I'm raising my voice, blah, blah, blah. But, like, dude, dog, that's my bike. You're, I'm taking this bike back. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. What was He's he all, No, dude, I bought this bike off uh, Alex. You know Alex? Yeah. yeah, Alex introduced me to you. Like, <laughs> you should know this. And then I said, like, dude, you don't even know how much you paid for this bike. Like, tell me. And he, he, he hesitated for a second. I'm like, come on, dude. You, you don't even remember? You bought a bike and you don't even remember how much you paid for it, you know? Yeah. Like, it just sounds like BS to me. So anyways, like, he he was like, you know what, dude? Like, we, we can go toe-to-toe, you know? Oh. And, and, like, this is the first time, like, I, I, like, I really wasn't, like, in fear because, like, I knew I could... Well, first of all, it, you're in better shape than him. I'm in a lot better shape and, like, I don't know. I have, like, experience in some things, but, like, I'm not a tough guy or anything. I hate fighting. Like, I don't want to fight. It's, like, plus, like, I don't know. You don't want to get in trouble for fighting a homeless dude. Well, yeah. I just, like, dude, the cops get called or anything. I get kicked out of my program. Like, I've worked so hard for what I have now. So, like, that was an option. So, I had an alternative solution. You know, I got to be quick on critical thinking. I'm like, you know what? I've been riding this this crappy beach cruiser around with, like, the pedals wobble on each side. So, like, a barrier or something snapped. And I told him, like, come on. Let's go to the back over here. You know, I got another bike for you. And it's a beach cruiser. And I told him about the problem. Blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't want that bike. I'm like, dude, like, come on. And he kind of came, like, a little sub- submissive, like, that side of, like, like, <sighs> like, okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I told him all you have to do is, like, we end up swapping out bikes. And then I told him, like, all you got to do is tighten this. I don't know if you really had to tighten that. I just really wanted my bike. Yeah. And I'm just leaving him in a better position by giving him this bike. I didn't have to give him a bike. You could have just taken your bike. I could have just taken my bike or gone toe-to-toe and just really hurt this kid, you yeah. know? But, like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want that on my conscience, you know? Yeah. Like, I just feel like violence is not the answer. And all it does is lead to more. Yeah. And I, I also, like, you know, if, if, if I would have beat him up, like, he could have came back and just took this bike back, you yeah. know? Or if I didn't leave him with a bike, he probably would have came back and just took my bike and got lazy. Yeah. So, all said and done, I end up giving him that bike, and uh, I get my bike back. First thing I do is take off and go for a bike ride. I don't even remember where I went to. All I recall is uh, I went to the gym that night, and after I got out, I see... With a couple homies right here on State Street. At the coffee bean. Yeah, at the coffee bean. And, like, they pointed out before they saw me, and I'm like, oh, shit, what's up, guys? Usually I'm always a good spotter and seeing people I know before they see me. So it kind of caught me off guard. We're just sitting there, and... uh, And we walk down the state. No, we're people watching, and what do you know? We see... Oscar go by and he doesn't even have my beach cruiser now. He has a he has another fixie. He's got a whole different bike. He just went and jacked a different bike. And it's like so like I, I try to be cool and give him a bike. He probably just ends up tossing that bike and then just goes and steals, steals another, another bike. One. And well, what's best is then we're walking down state. And then I see my good buddy Alex, the one that supposedly uh Stole my bike I, I don't think I mentioned that In the beginning With Oscar But uh, Oscar said That uh, He Gave someone A 15 sack In exchange for that bike And That bike came from One of my best friend Alex Who's still We're on the yeah. street Strung out Yeah who's still On the street Strung out And so we're walking I'm like what's up dog I'm like hey dog can, Alex. can I talk to you hot And he's like yeah What's up I'm like dude Did you take my red bike In front of the 24 hour fitness And he was like Oh <gasps> Oh, dude, that was your bike. My bad, bro. My bad. Like, he got, like, 
like he was ashamed, you know. He felt so much like he jacked a bike and didn't even know it was yours. Yeah, he jacked a bike, and I just told him, you know, dog, it's cool, dude. Like, just keep doing whatever you're doing. But like, that was my bike, and it's all good. I got it back. But like, man, dude, like the energy or like just whatever I felt came off him. Like, dude, he just felt like shit. I bet. Well, dude, I mean, he was jacking bike. Everyone. Jack's bikes and then they flip them or sell them. But it's crazy though, because he's seen me on that bike every time I've been out there. And he's probably so high, he didn't realize it was your bike. Yeah, and like his first thought on his head is like not thinking of his old friend's bike. Like he's thinking of like who has dope and how can I afford to get this dope? But I got bolt cutters. Ooh, this looks like an easy bike to to steal. He was probably just thinking about the lock. Like, ooh, this will be an easy lock to cut. Oh yeah, but uh, you definitely need to get a better lock. Yeah, that's how that's how small of a town it is here. But like, luckily the program we're in, you know, like I even had some of the the homeless people. Like I'm like, hey, if you see this bike, let me know. You know, but uh. They weren't much help because they know who he was. And, yeah. like, you know, one of them even said, like, hey, if I see your bike, I'll snag it back up for you. Sure you will. I was like, yeah, okay. Anyway, it made me feel better, but yeah. I didn't see any results. I just had to go out there and do it myself. But the way I handled that situation with them was, like, it would have been a lot different if I was using, you know. Like, it could have gone separate ways, like, stole it when he's not looking or just run up and, and punch him and take the bike. But at least... Today, now, I could actually... I know how to deal with those problems in a more positive manner and try to think from his shoes, too. Even though, like, I thought he stole my bike and was just lying to me. But no, man, he was really telling the truth. So, like, being patient and not, like, overreacting and being open-minded actually really paid off in the situation because he wasn't lying to me. And then my buddy Alex, you know, like, I... Just because that whole story, like, hey, did you really do this, you know? Like, that's all I had to say. And he's like, oh, dude, my bad. So it's just like, I don't know. You got to give everybody a chance. But yeah, at least in that situation, not when, like, <laughs> I don't give everybody a chance when it comes to, like, yeah, man, I'll go, I'll go get you that, that black, dude. Just give me 20 bucks and wait right here. Oh, <laughs> Like, no, not situations like that. No just, way. But just, like, little things like this where, like... I don't know. I really have nothing to lose, you know? Yeah. Like. Well, yeah, the, it's just, it's a good story because it worked itself out in the end, you know? Yeah. And and, it was so coincidental. And, and it was crazy. He didn't lie to me at all. Who, Alex? Oscar. Oh, Oscar. And, and Alex, I mean, dude, I, I caught him red-handed. Like, yeah. You know? But it, it's just, like, weird, though. It's like, usually in a situation like that, you put on the spot, like, no, 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 man, like. I don't yeah. know. I thought he was lying, but like I wasn't quick to judge or be biased towards them. I actually waited patiently and I ran into Alex. So it, it was just really, I'm just really grateful that actually like worked out the way it did. Yeah. Oh man, that reminds me of one story. I, I will leave, we'll tell one story and we'll wrap it up because it's almost two hours. But <laughs> so um, right before I came here to inpatient, <laughs> A bu- one of my friends who was here and a bunch of other people got kicked out and I'm all strung out. And so my, and he, he's been on the podcast before Rai Rai. He introduces wow. me to Tim. Rai Rai. Yeah. Rai Rai. He comes back into town. He's kicked out and he's strung out and t- Tim got kicked out. He's strung out. Rai Rai introduces me to Tim and you know, 
at that point I didn't have that many connects or I, I was just not, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. So now I'm starting to hang out with Tim and he's like, he, he needs rides places. So he's like, give me a ride. I'll shoot you a little bit of black. And so I don't know if like this dude, Tim is just fucking, he's meth psychosis to the extreme, but it's like, you know, for, it was like at that point, my addiction was like, I had two full-time jobs. First, the full, first full-time job is go, going on all these fucking runs to get the dope. And then the second full-time job is trying to hide it from like my, you know, my family and stuff. So at this point I'm like, uh, Tim hits me up and he's like, dude, give me a ride to Los Osos. Dude, I need a ride to, to my parents' house in Los Osos. So I'm like, okay. I give him a, I'm giving him a ride and we get off on Los Osos Valley Drive and there's a big Home Depot right there. And he's like, hey. He's like, pull into this Home Depot. I need to return something real quick. Oh, gosh. And I'm like, I'm, I'm on my phone. I don't care. I'm, I'm just like, whatever, dude. Whatever, just give me a little bit of black. <laughs> yeah, just, I, I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, he already gave me, gave me some black and some speed. So, I did a goofball before. And I'm like, whatever, dude, just hurry up. So, I'm in the parking lot. I'm on my phone. I'm, I think I'm even talking on my phone or I'm texting someone. And I'm waiting for him to, to, to quote unquote, return something from Home Depot. I look up from my car. This dude's got two giant power tools under each arm and he's booking it towards my car, like running. And I'm like, I thought he was returning something, not like running with something. Running with something. <laughs> he fucking, I unlock my doors and he pull, throws the shit. They're two big ass power tools. Throws it in my car. Says, go, 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 get out of here. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing right now? And I look up and there's two security and they're like looking around and they're running around the parking lot trying to find this dude because he just boosted like two like pretty big expensive power tools. And so I, I mean, and they're not looking at my car. They think this dude's on foot. So and he's like hiding in the, you know, puts oh, his seat gosh. down and he's hiding. And I drive right past him. And they just, <laughs> thank God they didn't look in my car because they could have gotten my plate number or something. And I peel, and he's like, just get out of here. Don't go that way. Go this way. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? I was like, I was like, Tim, if you were going to boost, boost a bunch of shit, why wouldn't you fucking tell me you were going to go boost something? I obviously wouldn't have been cool with it, but at least I would have known you were going to boost something. He's like, no, man, you know, if I didn't, if I told you, then you would have been an accomplice and they could have charged you. But if I didn't tell you, then they can't charge you with nothing. I'm like, dude, I'm an accessory to your dumbass yeah, Regardless, I know or not. Yeah, and you think the cops are going to believe me if I said <laughs> I didn't know? First of all, they're going to see me and see I'm strung out with scabs on my face. Yeah. First, they're going to fucking not believe me. I'm going to get arrested anyways. Like, no, no, man. And a, no. and a whole bunch of other charges. Yeah, so then I'm like, oh my God, I need to get rid of this guy. So yeah. I ended up. We ended up actually trading. I was like, well, I want more dope. So fuck it. We already boosted it. I might as well get some more dope out of the deal. So we end up doing a trade. I get a little more dope. And then he picks up his shot out, fucking methed out, old, fucking disgusting girlfriend. It's, it's nighttime at this time. I'm supposed to hang out with some fucking younger, like, tweaker to, like, hook up with her. <laughs> to play made a tweaker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One that's not fully shot out yet. And still has all her teeth. Yeah, still has all her teeth. She's, she's pretty cute. And she's like, where are you? Aren't you supposed to pick me up? I'm like, oh, I got to do this one thing, and then I'll go see you. Never ending. And then I never ended up hanging out with her. She <laughs> hates me now. She's probably pissed off at me. Like, I need to make an amends to it her. It wasn't my fault. And I was like, dude, I, don't know. I got caught up with this shit. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> But I never, never, never saw her that night. So then I ended up picking up with Tim. I pick up his shout-out girlfriend. They're both in the back seat. 
was like, I'm driving Miss Daisy style. And like, he's full on meth psychosis at this point. And he's like, he, he thinks, he, he's starting to think weird shit. He's been up for days. And he, th- he uh, like, during the day, he'd be like, Dude, did you take my Powerade? Pretty sure I saw you walk into the, that house with, the, with my Powerade. I'm like, dude, I don't want your fucking disgusting Powerade. Your gross lips have been on there. Yeah. Like, why would I take your Powerade? I got a fucking... Dude, I got my own fucking... Dude, what the fuck? I was like, no, I didn't take it. He's like, I'm pretty sure you took it. I'm pretty sure... I was like, you've been up for days. You don't know what the fuck you've seen, okay? You need to calm down. So at this point, he's got psychosis going on, and he's in the backseat, and he's telling her, like, you know, stop staring at him. You need to stop staring at Stop staring up my homeboy Like what the fuck And he's thinking like He's thinking in his head That she wants to fuck me And maybe she does I don't know But I, I wouldn't Wouldn't fuck This chick with any With anyone else's dick Let alone my own Ew. And I'm like dude You need to fucking Calm the fuck down Tim Like I don't want Your fucking girlfriend That's yours Like I have the other girls I like My Like closer to my own age like, I don't want to fuck some 50-year-old yeah. shot-out chick. And he's like, and then he's trying to get all, like, fucking crazy. And I'm like, dude, fuck you, motherfucker. Like, hey, here, let's find somewhere where we can drop you off. Yeah, I ended up dropping him off at the Motel 6. And I'm like, just give me my fucking dope. And he ended up skipping me out, giving me a couple points. And I'm like, man, what the fuck is my life right now, dude? I'm driving around this dude who's fucking, he's like... 40 he looks like he's 80 you know when he's shot out like oh it was just bad and then another time I'm at this Motel 6 with someone else who's thank god they're in recovery at a sober living up in Central Coast but they, they ended up trying to steal my car one day they're like yeah let me let me take your car to get some dope I'll be right back so I'm hanging out in their fucking hotel like shooting they're all we got a car woo yeah and then and then they end up texting me like Oh my god, we're getting pulled over. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know. Oh yeah, they're just selling your car for dope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, we're getting pulled over. I might get arrested right now. And I'm like, okay, we'll ask the cop. And, and I'm like, dude, I'm too smart for this shit. Like, you're gonna pull one over on me. I'm like, okay, ask the cop what impound they're going to. And they're like, I don't know, I don't know. I was like, dude, you know. I was like, yeah. okay. I was like, okay. You'll see it when the tow truck comes. <laughs> I think she was gonna try and go down to L.A. and pawn it. Who knows what the fuck was going on in their head? And uh, she was like. Like they, she was like, I didn't even, I don't know. They were making up. There was a lot of holes in there in her in her story. They were just shady from the get go. Oh, so shady. These people. Did they great. do it in text message or over the phone? Text. Through even text. more. Yeah. Suspicious. Because yeah, then you can't. Yeah. Now now. Like I you're really gonna be able to text while a cops pulling you over. No. Like in that situation, well, you know. Little, and, and if the, I could hear the guilt in their voice if if they called, so that it's even shady. Yeah. They can, they can. So then I'm like, okay, well. Look, check this out. Like, I need to know what impound this cop is supposedly going to take. That way I can go get my car back. That way I can get my car. Unless you're lying to me, then. And so then I'm like, okay. Then they're, like, they're just trying to make it seem like, there's holes in their story. I was like, all right, well, check this out. I'm going to go get picked up by my dad right now and tell him what happened. And he's obviously going to report the car stolen because my dad is already fed up with me being strung out. So I'm just letting you know right now the car is going to get reported stolen like right now. And they're like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Blah, 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 blah. And so then they come bring me my car. Yeah. And then I'm like, all right, well, I need my car. I was like, either you're going to tell me where this cop pulled you over so I can pick up my car because the cop will let me pick up my car or it's going to get reported stolen. And I'm going to it's they're going to, you know, like what the fuck? So then finally they bring the car back. But it was just like, dude, I just had so many nightmares going on in that. Dude, overwhelmed. 
Oh yeah, dude. Towards the end of my run, I was hanging out with the shadiest motherfuckers who would like, dude. Her her boyfriend was selling me uh, dope, and like I I let them stay at my house one night, and I was like, okay. I was living at my parents' house, and I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to sleep. I'm like, dude, we've been smoking meth all night. Bullshit, you're going to sleep. And I hear them rummaging through our guest bedroom, and I have a bunch of old shit of mine in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go guard my parents' room because it's like I know they're going to try and go steal shit. So I just I pretend to be asleep oh my in gosh. my fucking on – the, on the bed in there. And they're like, I can't believe you would just do that. I'm like, dude, my room is a mess. Of course I'm going to sleep in my parents' room. It's clean. And I, I mean, I didn't want to admit to them, like, oh, yeah, I think you're going to steal shit. But then a couple yeah. of days later, I go into the hotel they're staring at. And this dude is reading. I had all these old Calvin and Hobbes books. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you like Calvin and Hobbes too? I have all those same books. Like, that. what a coincidence. And he's like, yeah, I, I really like Calvin and Hobbes. And I'm like, oh, it's cool. Uh uh, whose initials are those on uh, on the front of the book? And they're like, oh, 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 oh. And they try to say they're yours. They're, they're, they're his initials. And I'm like, that's funny because your first name doesn't start with a B. And it's funny because my initials are, are the exact same initials as on that book. So, And that's weird because now that I think back, I had a bunch of books in the room I let you crash in. And so then they're just like, oh, 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 oh. And I'm like, dude, look, I know those are my books. And I know you took them, so just give them back and we'll be cool. But if you don't give them back, then we're going to have some issues right now. And it's like, obviously stole from me. I caught you. So why don't you just give them back? Like, I've been giving you rides for dope and, like, buying dope off you. So just give back the books, man. You're not going to get any money from them. So what the fuck good are they to you? They're fucking Calvin and Hobbes books. And finally, like, like, like you with the bike... I finally, he just was like, ugh, and then just gave him back, and then I didn't really hear from him after that, but it's just crazy how when you're in your addiction and your life is spiraling downhill, you associate with the shadiest people who are, as soon as you fall asleep, they're so quick to turn on you, like, and this, these, this guy and this girl I was rolling with, they were a couple, and they would turn on each other, like, <laughs> she was a shopaholic, and they would boost from stores, and then, like... She would go, like, he would buy a bunch of shit on stolen credit cards, and, like, then uh, he'd be passed out for, like, a couple days because he'd been up for days, and she would go take all the shit he bought and return – she would return it, and he'd be calling. He'd wake up after, like, two, three days of being passed out, like, where the fuck are my shoes I just bought and stuff? She's like, I don't know. You probably can't find them. Look harder. And I'd be driving around with him. She's like, yeah, I totally returned his shit. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to be looking a long time for shit that's not there. And I'm like, oh, my God. You two turn on each other, let alone, like, I don't trust you around my shit. And it's just like, fuck, man. I, I don't know. I'm just glad to be – Done with that lifestyle. Away from the drama. Yeah. Now I have relief. <laughs> I definitely have relief. I mean, yeah, sobriety is a challenge and stuff. It's not anything near the fucking, com- like, dude. It was just like such a fucking, like, such a fucking mission to go do dumb shit to go and get loaded. And I was like, towards the end, I was like, dude, this is not even worth it anymore. It's not. It's so much work. It's too much work. <laughs> but the sobriety in the beginning seems like, oh my god, this is going to be more work than I ever could imagine. But well, it's like the the steps and the things you have to do are pretty simple. It's just you have to get very uncomfortable at first. And so, like, I think for me, like, I was so 
used to staying in my comfort zone and my safe space where I was loaded and stuff. But then after a while, the things I had to do to stay in my comfort zone, be, that, that comfort zone became the most uncomfortable place ever. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So then at that point, it's like, dude, getting uncomfortable in sobriety, it's like, yeah, you get uncomfortable. But it's like then after a while of practicing that repetition of it, then yeah. dude, things that are uncomfortable aren't so uncomfortable at, at, at all. No. You you, and then you're able to handle the real world more than it, when you were like in early recovery. Yeah. I always felt like the detox part was the most difficult because I could never get past that. Yeah, well, the withdrawal you know, is, is... It just sucks, and then ha- trying to do all this stuff, but it's like, I don't know, I just went at my own pace, you know? Yeah. Like, I waited till I felt better, and I just remember, like, the first 30 days, like, just jerking off and then passing out was probably <laughs> my best solution before I even started diving into more I mean, serious sometimes recovery. sometimes still my best solution. I mean, what can I say? Like, I'm celibate for the next fucking however many months, so... Yeah, I'm on day 15 right now. <laughs> day 15, no jerking off? Yeah. Holy shit. Because I, um, I've been working out a lot, and... Uh, that helps you not jerk off? Well, I, I heard it helps with uh, me building up strength, and, like, I've, I've been seeing results, like, on bench press. I got it up 20 pounds, and then... From not jerking it? Well, yeah, because all the testosterone. You get more testosterone from not jerking. That's what I believe. That and working out legs twice a week. Oh wow! Plus, I just I just feel all gross after I rub one out. Why? I don't know. I just feel all sweaty and just gross. I'm like, I just feel like something's missing. Like something just left my body. I don't know. Well, I just don't feel. Something did just leave your body. Yeah. <laughs> but like more than than the fluid, you know. <laughs> like I a don't... piece of your soul. Left just with that. Your semen. Yeah, and like when I was reading the 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 Bible in here. Yeah. And like, I would just flip to random pages sometimes and it's, it was talking about like masturbating. Like you will not be clean. If you masturbate this evening, you will not be clean until the next supper until after the next supper the next day. Like I was reading something like that and it like got to my head. So like every time I'm trying to rub one out, that's what I'm thinking about. So I just try to avoid it. And then that is just like when I'm out there and I see like a girlfriend or an ex-girlfriend or whatever. And like, I'm always going there like thinking I'm going to get laid or blah, blah, blah. And then I don't end up getting laid. Like I'm trying to find like a solution. Like I'll drink a bang, which just makes it 10 times worse. And then I'll go buy a pack of cigarettes and I'll smoke like four cigarettes in a row. Then I'll come home and rub it out like four times. (laughs) So like I've been there and done that. Oh my gosh. For me, it's like if I am in bed or I go into deep sleep and I wake up with a boner, (laughs) I'm like, dude, how am I going to get rid of this thing? Like old behavior, jerk off and the boner will go away. But I mean to like just wait for the boner to go away by itself. I was just like unbearable. It's like, it's trying to ride. A, it's like trying to ride a bike with the kickstand still open. It's like, dude, this is fucking difficult. You <laughs> yeah. know? So like, usually before I go to bed and when I wake up in the morning, that's the two times. It's not like I'm going to go sneak in the bathroom during the day and do it. But it's like, dude, like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, you know, I'm so used to like, you know, conversing with girls and going on dates and then getting late or you know having sex. It's like then when you're cut off from that, it's like. I need relief somehow, so it's like I'll probably eventually 
go fully celibate and not touch my wiener, but... Well, it's kind of like a challenge now to see how long yeah. I can go without it. Nice. Like, don't get me wrong, like, sometimes I'll be popping a boner and, like, I'll just, like, start to rub it and then, like, I'll just have to stop, <laughs> you know? Because it's like, shoot, I don't want to come. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're building up. Because when you do, it's finally going to be, like, yeah. gigantic. You know what I do when I... I've always learned this in high school since when I, I used to get boners. In sex ed? <laughs> not even in sex ed. I'd just be in class and then I, I mean my hormones are all out of whack. I'm, I'm a teenager. And then I'd be at my desk and I'd get a boner at the most random times. And so I, what I'd do is I would tuck it under my belt like right <laughs> under here. And I was like, all right, you want to go up? You're going all the way up. And then, it, first of all, it hides the boner pretty well. Second of all, your dick is confused and it's like, what am I doing? Like, why am I up here? And then it slowly blood... You know, deflows out and you can Dude, handle it. That still happens to me at the gym sometimes, seeing like the spandex on some oh, of these girls and then on. them working out their glutes or at the college, and it happens a lot, like around like my ex girlfriend or like of course, old you acquaintances. Have and it's like I'll, I'll have like a boner and like trying to give her a hug and then like. Uh, like I don't know Like I'll try to make her Look the other way Or like I'll turn around Real quick before I give her a hug And try to tuck it Like <laughs> Tuck it Like just so embarrassed of it But Yeah I'm, I don't know I'm embarrassed when I have a boner too Especially in public <laughs> I, I would be on the fucking metro And like I, Like I'd have pants on too, too tight And the train would bump a certain way And then I just boom, boom. boom I have a boner And I'm like Oh my god Men out there, don't be ashamed of your boners like us, though. You know, be proud of your boners. I mean, don't be creepy about it. Just, you know, be like, hey, Stop I got a boner. Act normal as possible. I got a boner. I don't know why. My dick's got yeah. a mind of its own. Don't be embarrassed. Do the tuck technique, you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're all good. Don't be all embarrassed and awkward like I, I get. Oh, yeah. But with that, it's just hit two hours. We got to wrap this up. It's a fucking 11 o'clock. Well, this is a good podcast, my friend. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me on. And You're uh, always welcome back on any time. I mean, well, I mean, we're stuck here, so. <laughs> we got so, nothing but time on our hands. Exactly. So, you guys, okay. You know, I need to level with you. Um, I would like to see more emails out there from you all. I know I've said this a few times, but I'm going to say it again because I'm not sure if you've listened to every episode or if you it's your first time listening. But, hey, we have an email. It's called nodsquadpodcast at gmail.com. And, hey... You know, my secret cell phone got taken away, so that's the best way to reach me. <laughs> so, shoot us an email. Maybe email us a story or email us anything. I don't care. Even if you think the show sucks, I want to hear it. I want to hear your feedback. Uh, what else? Well, we're trying to grow our social media. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that good shit. Even our Podbean site. Just like our stuff. You know, if I post something, you know, witty and adorable, like that, retweet it, share it. I don't know. I like attention. So feed into my narcissism. Maybe just a little. Not too much. I don't want to let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, you know, I like to feel special. And, you know, that's a good way to do that. What else? Oh, one other thing. I've been getting some letters from people out there, here and there. And the people who have mailed me letters, you know who you are. And I love you. Thank you for writing me letters here. I mean, that's also a good way to reach me. And if you don't know how to mail me a letter, shoot me a message uh, on our Facebook page or my Brian Unc Albert profile. 
Obviously, that's a troll account and not my real birth name. But hey, we tell debauchers things here, so I have to cloak my true identity in secrecy. So I hope you understand that. And, uh, you know, shoot me a message saying, hey, I want to mail you a letter. And then I'll give you the information. You can mail me a letter. Um, what else? Oh, if you could, go to our Podbean page. And if you notice under every podcast, there's a little heart and the words like. If you could like our podcast episodes... That would also be awesome. We're trying to grow our numbers so this becomes more professional. And then, you know, maybe some sponsors will be like, hey, they have some growth. They have some numbers. And maybe we'll get a sponsor. And now that I'm not – and now you can trust me more not to spend all that sponsor ad revenue on dope since I'm in rehab. You know, we can invest that money into other things like maybe paying off this microphone I spent $200 (laughs) for. I mean, I'm sacrificing. So, you know, you don't have to sacrifice. Or a video camera. Oh, that would be good too. that would be dope. I should bring my GoPro down here. Yeah, if you guys want – You know, if you want us to be more like Joe Rogan and have video, too, then, hey, you know, you don't have to. I'm not asking money out of your own personal pocket. I'm just asking for one or two mouse clicks, maybe a little bit of typing on your keyboard. That costs you nothing. And you already are paying for Internet, or maybe you're using Wi-Fi at the local Starbucks. So, you know, I mean, eventually, hopefully, I'll have a Patreon and the people who are wealthy and financially uh, well off could donate a dollar a month, but I'm not even asking for that right now. Let's, let's get to that bridge when we're about to cross it. Right now, just like our social media, send an email. You know, it's like the feedback I've gotten so far is literally the fuel that motivates me to keep doing this stupid, silly podcast. And I mean, that's all I can do. So with that... I'm going to bid you all adieu. Thank you, Danny Can't Stop, for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Brian. It's Um, a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to coming on in the future. Oh, you're always welcome on anytime. Is there anything else you would like to bestow upon uh, the brethren and sestren of our squadron? Any message, closing words? Just... uh Wherever you're at in your addiction or if you know someone, just know that there is hope. And uh, once you get this thing, man, it feels like you got the winning lottery ticket. For me, the most difficult part was detoxing. And I thought, like, the cravings would never go away. But, like, today, like, those cravings actually do go away. And uh, I just live a meaningful life, just meaningful purpose now. And uh, I want each and every one to feel what I'm feeling. So I'm going to go out there and start helping people out, whether that be sponsoring or just trying to think of others. So uh, just know that there's hope out there, you know, just uh, try to work on your inner self first. Just focus on yourself in the beginning and just go from there and uh, just give yourself the time to uh, for, for the change, you know, just the miracle does happen and uh there's real promises in this and uh i just hope you all have a good night tonight oh that was very sincere and that was very nice and eloquent so yeah you guys um i love you stay safe and stay strong and like i always say i don't encourage or condone drug use 
but I know just saying no doesn't work. So I would rather you all didn't do drugs, but I accept you if you even if you still do. Um, but if you are going to use drugs, please just don't use needles because that is very dangerous and people are dying out there. And yep, I, I don't agree. want I don't want any of you to die out there. You know, you're all, you know, our 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 family, our squad. So, you know, do what I did. Instead of using needles, even just if you're going to boof it up your butt, <laughs> I would rather you did that than injected needles. So with that, we're out of here. I love you guys. And as always, peace, love, and all the above. Motherfuckers be driving me up the walls. Hoping that I fall, but they can pick my balls. Somehow